does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Got really the first, I think, bit of adversity for the Pacers this season and uh, continued head coaching news on the Colts front. Bit of a busy Friday here. Kevin Query, good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. We've got Purdue back in action tonight with Nebraska, a struggling Butler bunch taking on a very struggling Villanova team tonight up at Hinkle, so... Um, a lot of stuff going on. Again, Pacers-Hawks tonight, Pacers-Grizzlies tomorrow. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Kevin, good morning. good morning. I am super excited, by the way. Um, I mean, we have a lot of good stuff to talk about, including a big Colts interview that took place uh, last night. I, kind of a surprise, I thought. I could be wrong in that, that Jim Mersey announced. Um, welcome, by the way, to Nate, who joins us in studio and is shadowing us. Uh, new I thought co-worker. he said Nathaniel. Well, then he said, you can call me Nate. And then he said his last name is Finch, and I said, okay, I'm calling him Atticus. So basically, I'm calling him Atticus because I'll remember that name. But um, but Atticus, who is shadowing us, a new, a new co-worker. And Atticus, how old are or Nate, how old are you? 21. He's 21. So he is old enough to attend our PBR party. And there this you go. Thing's, this thing's growing. I don't think like we'll be carding, by the way, at the party. So I <laughs> well, think, we, we need to I think, be. I think well, that might get us good. in some trouble then, Kevin. <laughs> I'm telling you, though. this, you this think anyone that has ever had a keg of PBR has ever carded at their party? <laughs> <laughs> this thing is taken off, though. I'm telling you. We are... I don't want to get into specifics, but let's just say wheels are in motion. I was going to say, it sounded like, based off a few texts, wheeling and dealing late last night. Wheeling and dealing. That's right. PBR party in the works. Uh, again, first bit of adversity for the Pacers. You know, when you look at their season so far, 23-19, and 19, they have only had one losing streak of more than two games. You know, it's not like they have... We've sat here, Jake, and been like, man, boy, the Pacers, they're struggling right now. They've lost five right. or six or something like that. They haven't had those moments. And really, from a health standpoint, it's been unlike recent seasons. You know, none of their top four or five guys have missed substantial time. You had Turner with that ankle injury uh, early in the year, uh, but that was about it. Uh, it was announced yesterday afternoon Tyrese Halliburton suffered a left elbow strain and a mild left knee bone contusion against the Knicks, underwent an MRI on Thursday afternoon on both the elbow and the knee, and the team is awaiting additional opinion. On the results of those scans, he will be reevaluated in approximately two weeks, and updates will be provided as appropriate. Uh, good news, didn't tear his ACL, and it's not a ligament damage, and you don't. it doesn't look like it's season-ending. Uh, but the reality is, anytime you see the phrase reevaluated in two weeks, I see that and I think, oh, he's going to be out maybe a month. I would agree with that. And if that's the case, Jake, the trade deadline is less than a month away. The All Star break is a tad over a month away. If he's going to be out around a month, just keep him out through the All Star break. And that's going to be about 20 games if you add all that up. I would. I'm going to offer a. rosy, overly optimistic viewpoint of this. For a second, I thought you were like 
referencing my daughter for something. I was like, <laughs> she awake? Rose-colored glasses, I should say. Got, got it. Um, in case Rick Carlisle is listening right now for part of his 90-second commute that he told me he listens each morning for 90 seconds. Um or Kevin Pritchard, or Chad Buchanan, or Ty Halliburton, anybody listening, but mostly for Pacer fans. If I had to offer, if I was assigned in high school debate class to take the the pros of a key cog in Ty Halliburton being hurt, which is clearly the straw mixing the drink for everything that Indiana operates off of, it would be this. This was supposed to be a year... And everyone was resigned to the fact that it was going to be a year of a retool. Maybe not a total rebuild, but certainly a retool. At the beginning of the year, the expectations were placed by everyone pretty low. 25 to 30 wins. Thus, why you were able to put your wager at 30 wins. And things came together for them very quickly, and their young talent, all of a sudden, like was almost like they, they weren't aware that they weren't supposed to be this good this early. And they have played very well, and they've exceeded expectation, and they've put themselves in position to contend for as a playoff team. Not contend in the playoffs per se just yet, but to contend to be a playoff team. And that's all wonderful. But the high level of play of Tyrese Halliburton and the number of minutes that necessitate him being on the floor, while all outstanding... It is still a year where there are young pieces that probably need some growth time in the NBA because this year is about, not this year, but still in the big picture about a three-year window. This now puts Andrew Nimhard, Aaron Neesmith, guys that are getting minutes and getting significant minutes, it gives them different looks. It gives them minutes on the floor where defenses are focusing on them and they're no longer able to kind of play in the shadows. It puts the spotlight on them. And that's what this year was supposed to be from the beginning about. And this allows, while it's been fantastic, it allows Indiana to continue to not only take advantage of the good start they've had, but to go kind of back to strengthening itself in areas that probably still need some bolstering, which is quality minutes for guys that ultimately down the road are going to be needed for quality minutes, but now they know what it's like in those times when they're going to have to fill in and step it up a little bit. Yeah, I certainly hear where you're going with that, Jake. I think it's a bummer, though, because Halliburton, to me, qualifies as one of those guys. I mean, he's 21 years old. I agree, but... I. And while he's, sure. he's established but himself... But he's had... Right. I mean, that's you know, it, he, right? He's established himself, uh, obviously, as an all-star caliber player, but I think we also forget... I mean, he hasn't even been here a year. You know, it, it's kind of crazy when you think about it like that. Um, if I'm Rick Carlisle today, I hand the ball to Andrew Nemhard and say, all right, however long Halliburton's out, you're our starting point guard. Um, i probably bump Benedict Matherin into the starting lineup. Uh, my thought process with that is, you know, mentioned this a few weeks ago, Halliburton, night in, night out. He's missed two games this season. Night in, night out, you pencil him in for 45 to 50 points of direct contribution, either his scoring or his assist. That is a massive number. So I look at that and say, okay, can Nemhard take on certainly more of the distributing side of things? Um, 
you're generally going to have an uptick in scoring with all of your starters, but I think Matherin gives you the best chance to try and be more of a lead scoring guy with that starting unit. And then, of course, that allows TJ McConnell to remain at the second unit. I mean, you just, I, I have no idea if Chris Duarte is going to give you anything, but at least he would get more chances with that second unit. Um, he's been playing terrible as of late. Uh, but that's the path that I would go there. Um, you know, Jake, I've probably always been a little bit hesitant on going for something this season. You know, I, I, I probably side with, I'm in the group that like, if you're going to rebuild, rebuild. Right. Don't kind of half-ass it, and then you get into the purg- purgatory that you were just in as as a franchise. And it, for how great this season has been, Jake, look at the standings. The Pacers are still in the play-in game right now. Like So for how great this season right. has been, it still would fall into like a 50-50, maybe a little higher, seeing how they're the seventh seed. They'd get two cracks at it in the, uh, in the play-in. It's not like a guarantee that they'd be a four-seed hosting the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. So I think when you factor all that in, it looks like Halliburton again is going to miss, you know, a, a notable stretch here, a difficult stretch when you look at the schedule. I think this might be the reminder the Pacers needed of, all right, let's breathe a little bit. The season's been really, really good. We like a lot of the pieces, but let's keep in mind what the big picture was back in mid October. You know, we we almost I think should have like some sort of sounder to for me to give fair warning when I'm about to make a bad analogy, but I'm about to make a bad analogy. Uh, in auto racing, if you go out, and I, I realize auto racing is not a, a mainstream sport, so I'll put it in Indy 500 terms. If you go out for practice in the month of May, we do have a little Indy 500 news, right? We we should get to. Yeah, big news, as a matter of fact. Um, but when you go out for practice at the in the month of May, and We'll say Tony Kanaan. Most people know who Tony Kanaan is. So let's say Tony Kanaan. So you go out and you're like, man, I can't wait to see Tony Kanaan today at practice at the 500. And you go out and, and he's out there turning laps. And you're like, what? he's like 20th on the speed chart. Is, is something going on with the car of Tony Kanaan? And what you don't realize is on that particular day, Tony Kanaan's team says, well, listen, we, we know we have a fast car, but what is it going to be like in traffic? How is it going to run in traffic when it's got a full tank of fuel and it's bogged down a little bit and it's got 32 other cars around it? Aerodynamically speaking, how is our car going to be? So they intentionally spend that day in practice telling Tony Kanan, we're not worried about speed today. We're simply worried about finding out how the car runs in traffic. Then on other days, they say, okay, we're going to put as little fuel in it as possible, make it as light as possible, see how fast we can go for qualifying. They change the setup. Boom. He's atop the speed charts. Unbelievable. Each day of practice at the Indy 500, they are the car is actually designed to be tested out in different areas. The Indiana Pacers right now are about to take some of their key players that have been running with kind of a light fuel load, Andrew Nimhard, Aaron Neesmith, etc. And now those guys are getting their turn to find out how they are in traffic. When things have changed and... The, the conditions are more challenging. How good is that car? And that's what they're going to find out. They, they, we know that Tyrese Halliburton is a great player in traffic. We know he's also a very good player in a qualifying simulation. We know that Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nimhard are guys that, that when they're kind of off on their own because the attention is elsewhere, they're very good players. But now all of a sudden, they are forced 
to run in traffic because there's more focus on them, there's more defense on them because Halliburton's not on the floor. This is their chance to, to work through that so that when the time comes and you're on lap 190, you are prepared for anything that comes your way. That's where Indiana is right now. Yeah, that was another random metaphor Thank by you. Jake Query. Thank you. I don't think that go. was actually a metaphor, though. Right? Whatever. It's metaphor more. analogy. It sounds it doesn't good. matter. Thank you. That was well. That's what we have sound for. So I'm going to call it a metaphor. <laughs> well done there by Mark. Uh, yeah, I mean, Halliburton's one of the more valuable players to his team in the NBA. I do think if there's you know, a bit of a... You feel somewhat comfortable with Nemhard, albeit he's a rookie. This is what he did at Gonzaga. I mean, he he was the lead guard. He was the the point guard there his final season when Jalen Suggs left for the NBA. Obviously, he hasn't done a whole lot of that here um, at this level, but that is the route that I would go if I were Rick Carlisle. Uh, eight games coming up. We know he's going to miss at least two weeks. Halliburton, that is the Hawks, the Grizzlies, a four-game road trip next week at Milwaukee, at Oklahoma City, at Denver, at Phoenix. Chicago and Orlando. So that's what the next eight. Again, we know he'll be out for that. It's a reevaluation in two weeks. So, you know, based off, I think, past precedent, seeking out a second opinion, in all likelihood, he's probably going to miss more than two weeks. Sounded like okay on the Miles Turner front. He's listed as questionable with that back spasm from the other night. We'll have Kristen Ari on at nine o'clock to chat more about this uh yeah late last night colts news eric Bieniemy. we have mentioned him before jake this week in the why why has eric Bieniemy not been an nfl head coach some eric b and rakeem <laughs> oh there look at go. this that makes sense right i thought we were going yeah. tone loke again you know actually if he became the offensive coordinator they hired raheem morris then we'd have eric b and raheem right well, that's, close that's a t-shirt in itself right there <laughs> we'd probably have Isn't to ch- it? We'd, we'd have to change some of the tunes inside of well, now let's not get ahead of ourselves. Lucas Oil staying there. <laughs> that might be like no. one of the qualifiers for being a head coach. Now, do you like Jack and Diane? You're going to hear it every Sunday. <laughs> do you think Sunday. that's why the AFC Championship's not coming here? Do you the... bang on the drum all day or just part but, of it? Yeah, we want to play Todd <laughs> Rundgren after each touchdown. Uh, well, that's not how the Bills and the Chiefs operate. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, late last night, Jim Mersey announced that. Earlier in the day, Jero Avero, the Broncos defensive coordinator. I guess he's... Maybe unemployed right now, considering Nathaniel Hackett doesn't have a job there. Uh, it's pretty wild when you look at Bienemy in that this list of teams that he is now interviewed for, um, he's interviewed for almost half the league. Dolphins, Bengals, Broncos, Jags, Texans, Chargers, Giants, Lions, Bucks, Falcons, Browns, Panthers, Saints, Colts, and he's interviewed with the Jets twice. It is amazing that 15 of the 32 teams he's interviewed for and yet has still not been a head coach. Obviously, the Chris Ballard connection is pretty direct there. Ballard was in Kansas City when Biennemi was the running backs coach from 2013 to 2016. And then when Matt Nagy got the job in Chicago, that was when Biennemi was promoted to offensive coordinator. Jake, obviously, the, the questions you have with him are how much credit does he get? For what they've done, is it more Andy Reid and Mahomes? Um, we mentioned some of the off-the-field incidents that now, I would say, stem, what, 25, 30 years, mostly on that front. I thought about that, Kevin. And there are some chats about, does he struggle in interview settings? Um, is that a reason why? I think there are a couple of things in play there. Number one, 
there probably is some truth to the fact of people being hesitant of, hey, how much of the success here is Eric Bieniemy, and how much of that is he's just got his hands on the wheel and Andy Reid's the one calling the shots. And I thought about this as well. I thought about this actually driving in this morning. It We listed the... And the only reason we did it is not to pick on Eric Bieniemy, but because he is a name that has been at the forefront of coaching searches for a while now. He's been like a hot coordinator that gets interviewed a lot, but but never makes the cut. 15 of the 32 teams. That is incredible. Since 2019, he's yeah, interviewed. And, and, and then the question is always, you know, well, what, what is it that's holding him back? And I don't know that this is it, but it's possible that part of what is holding him back, to use that phrase, is in fact the fact that he had some skeletons in the closet from the past. But, and it was mostly when he was in college and there was a domestic violence situation. There was a situation of a fight in a bar where he was, I believe, also banned from the University of Colorado for a year. And I thought about that, and then I thought, you know what? And I'm older than Eric Bieniemy, I think. How old is Eric Bieniemy? I mean, I'm 50. Yeah, He's I'm around my age. Okay, so I'm younger. But when I was in college, I went to the University of Kansas. It was a horrific academic performance by me. My academic record was embarrassing. I transferred to IUPUI for one semester and then to Bloomington where... I didn't even finish that, and I'm currently doing so as we speak, not literally right now, but in this time period. I had Kevin, I don't even know how many speeding tickets. My license was suspended for forgetting to appear, because I would always say, like, I'm going to go to court and fight this, and then if the cop didn't show up, you know, it'll get thrown out, and then I would forget, and my license would be, I probably was suspended like three times for that. I mean, not for anything major, but for things like that. My point being, when I was a 19, 20, 21-year-old guy, I wasn't a violent person, but I was an irresponsible, um, no accountability person and very immature. And it would be 100% hypocritical of me to sit here and say that for somebody who is a coaching candidate, that they should be, it should be held against them the indiscretions that were a part of their life when they were a younger person. Now, I understand and I respect that when you're hiring a head football coach, it is a much, much different representation and limelight and spotlight that is being asked upon you. However, for Eric Bieniemy, I hope that it's not the things that took place when he was in college because while they might have been grosser errors than, say, I had when I was a young person, I had them as well, and I think most people listening can look at themselves as an adult and say, I am a totally different person than I was in college because a large part of college is maturing yourself as an adult and learning from your mistakes, and at some point, I hope Eric Bieniemy is able to be given the fair chance to show that, yes, he has, in fact, learned from those mistakes. You know, just for clarity's sake, he did have a DUI in 2001, so that is obviously an incident that... I mean, it still was 20 years ago, though. And uh, grabbed a parking attendant, female parking attendant, by the neck and threatened her. Um, so, again, I don't... I, like I said, uh, gross stuff, don't get me I don't act like you were doing that at Lawrence. I, I get by it. By any means. Um, but trying to get a little bit more, again, into the why... And why he has not been hired. 
Um, curious if the Ursay family has any opinion on that. Um, again, multiple decades ago, can totally acknowledge that. Uh, but I think these are all relevant questions when you're trying to say, okay, who are they ultimately going to hire? And again, why has Biennemi not gotten a head coaching job? Because if you just strictly went off of one of the greatest offensive performances over the last, you know, multiple, multiple decades in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs would be near the top of that list. Andy Reid, of course, is a big orchestrator of that. Uh, I think it's thought that Andy Reid is the main play caller there. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes helps a whole lot, but Chris Bowder respects Andy Reid a ton and has seen Eric Bieniemy up close, so uh, that is the first, I think, major Chris Ballard connection you see on the list. So, so far, three head coaching interviews for the Colts, Bubba Ventrone, Giro Avero, and then Eric Bieniemy. And now we get into, I think, a trio coming up that I think a lot of fans have some interest in. And uh, the reported interviews today for Raheem Morris, the Rams, D.C., Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, and then tomorrow reported that it'll be Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator. So if you look back at that original list, the only name we have not seen either get an interview or reportedly get an interview is Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator for the Lions. We did have another extremely vague Jim Harbaugh back and forth yesterday with the higher-ups at the University of Michigan. For those that missed it, uh, Santa Ono, which in NCAA president names has to be near the top of the list, if not at <laughs> the top of the list, issued this statement. Is I ple- it, his first name is literally Santa? Correct. Yes, Kringle. Oh. Uh-huh. Santa Ono <laughs> here. I'm pleased to share that I have been having very positive and constructive conversations with our athletic director and football coach. Ward Manuel and I, that would be the AD, both want to see Jim Harbaugh stay as the head football coach of the University of Michigan. Hashtag go blue. Jim Harbaugh's response to that, I am in full support of President Ono's message to our fans and appreciate his support of me and the team. Jake, as I saw on Twitter yesterday, that reads of someone texting the other one, I love you, and the response being, thank you. I would agree with that. But who doesn't love Santa? Right? Well, you would think Harbaugh would respond, I love you then, if right. he loves Santa. Instead, he goes with thank you. The, the, the Harbaugh thing is just, it, it honestly is par for the course of He's who just he is. an odd bird, yes. Great football coach and He's a nice so guy, but weird, odd, odd so weird, so odd. All of it is. Yeah. Well, what are these statements? <laughs> They're so vague. I mean, he is Screech's cousin from Saved by the Bell. Right? Someone sent me that clip yesterday. I hadn't seen it in a while. It was a good watch. Do we have that, Mark? The screech saved by the bell thing? Yeah. I can find it, I'm sure. I, I, I can look for it during the break, Mark. It's fabulous. Yeah, it's, I mean, screech, for whatever reason, is dressed, for those that are unfamiliar, from saved by the bell. I'm guessing it was like 94, 95, because Screech is dressed at a full Colts, Colts outfit. Yeah, Colts uniform. And Harbaugh just walks in. Mr. Belding's like, look who I found in the hallway. Screech like, yeah, it's my cousin. You know, Saved by the Bell began in Indianapolis, right? Really? Do you know that, Mark? No. The initial series or the initial season of Saved by the Bell, it began as a show called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. And it was most of the same characters, but it was fictionally Mr. set Belding in Indianapolis. At Southport High School? Yeah, they 
At one point, the only real reference to Indianapolis is at one point somebody says to Screech, "Like, why don't you go trampoline off the RC or off the Hoosier Dome?" And that's like the only time they really reference. And then all of a sudden, they just magically everybody, the entire school, up and moved to Bayside, California. Is that more knowledge than you need? Can you tell that Saved by the Bell was on when I was in college and everybody just sat around instead of going to class and watched Saved by the Bell? That sounds like the... So, Good Morning, Miss Bliss, also retroactively known as Saved by the Bell, the junior high years. I never even knew that. Yeah. Fascinating. See? Same cast. Mark, what do we do on this program? We educate and entertain <laughs> about 80s television. <laughs> I think that's 90s, actually. No, it says it ran... Well, Good Morning, Miss Bliss ran from 87 to 89. Okay. Kevin has the smirk on his face. <laughs> like, what am uh, I going to There's like three, three people from Saved by the Bell on there. Meanwhile, Nate Atticus, I believe, is falling asleep. I don't blame him, to be honest with you. Well, we're talking about something that he was should like 30 be years barometer. before he's born. You make anything of these Harbaugh comments? I think Jim Harbaugh... I don't make much, Kevin, of any... When it comes to coaches or athletes maneuvering themselves or putting themselves in the best financial position... I don't make much of comments because everybody's going to toe the line to make sure that if things don't work out, they can stay where they are. But if things do work out elsewhere, they're not a complete. So know, is that all this is? Just a money-driven contract thing? It seems to be no, quite I think Jim, the ploy here. I think Jim Harbaugh would like to get back to the NFL. But if for some reason the NFL doesn't want Jim Harbaugh back, I th- or if it doesn't work out, he wants to also be able to... He wants to basically have his cake and eat it too, right? I don't blame him for that. I, I don't know if I'm in the camp that like you hire Harbaugh and it cures all. I think if anything, it accelerates it because he's usually got like a four-year window. So if, any, if you're hiring him, you better be ready to win now and all that because I feel like well, there's going to be a four-year window before he kind of, you know... Good luck with that. Runs out. Yeah, exactly. So we'll uh, see again how all of that plays out uh, on the Colts' dock today. Raheem Morris and Ben Johnson, the two candidates. Again, Purdue, Nebraska tonight, a 7 o'clock tip from Mackey. That was kind of an ugly first game in Lincoln for Purdue. Fletcher Lawyer, big in that game. Zach Eady, relatively quiet from a scoring standpoint, uh, but obviously one of your easier Big Ten games on paper. Tomorrow, Indiana, Wisconsin. Tell me you guys saw who's on the call for that one. Nothing sums up IU basketball right now like Who's on the call for that one? Spiro Dita. <laughs> Is it Spiro? <laughs> Bill Rafferty, Jay Wright with Spiro Ditas leading the way there on CBS. You know, what would be nice is if Jay Wright, if that game's in Assembly Hall, right? Correct. They should take Jay Wright around and say, you know, this is a really nice looking building, isn't it? Since Kelvin Sampson's final season in Bloomington, Wisconsin has won 24 of 27. That, that is, let me... Against the Indiana Hoosiers. If you talk to players that played for Bob Knight, I know I'm going way back. If you talk to players that played for Bob Knight, they will tell you that one of the things that Bob Knight preached more than anything else was we've won like 26 straight against Wisconsin and Northwestern on the road and you guys are not going to be the first team that snaps that streak that that was so emphasized and it literally was like a free it was like oh so Indiana's eight and one in the big Ten well they'll be ten and one then because they go up and they play Wisconsin Northwestern in the two-step that was the biggest layup in the history of basketball my oh my how things have changed one o'clock tomorrow from assembly hall there uh Derek Carr any interest on that front we can chat about that uh Greg Rakestraw is going to join us at Eight Chris Denary 
at 9 o'clock. Nice start to this Friday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykedon, Nathaniel as well in studio with us. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kevin, yeah. oh sorry, Kevin, go ahead. I was just saying we, we got were just talking about uh, you know how smooth we are and you guys have great chemistry. And yeah, you guys just fumbled uh-huh, right. all over each Dominate other. Dominate the mic, exactly. That's uh, right. We got a lot of hoops tonight uh, up at Hinkle. It's Butler and Villanova. Boy, Villanova is really struggling without Jay Wright this year. Obviously, per, or Butler's had their own struggles. Uh, then up at Mackey, Purdue and Nebraska. Again, an ugly first game in Lincoln. Purdue won that game in overtime. Fletcher Lawyer, very important for the Boilers. There and then over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it's Pacers and Hawks. And Jake, the latest on Tyrese Halliburton as he is going to miss at least at least two weeks. Yeah, he'll be reevaluated at that point. And I agree with what you said earlier, Kevin, and the fact that it would kind of seem like the tea leaves indicate that it's going to be a little bit more than that. But again, I don't know that there is a haste and urgency because I do think that there is some to be gained by other guys getting. I mean, great player, and you want him out there. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time. I think that they have the flexibility and they put themselves in position to buy themselves a little bit of time if need be. How about Butler is actually favored? Can you imagine saying really? Butler will be 10 and 8 on the year and they'll be favored over Villanova? One and a half. Purdue is a 15 and a half point favorite against Nebraska. Uh, Auto Racing News, you had mentioned it earlier, Kevin, so let's get into it. Kyle Larson, who is one of the most versatile drivers in auto racing currently and has become a fan favorite, a NASCAR season cup champion. Now will, in fact, run the Indianapolis 500 or attempt to do so, I should say, for Aero McLaren. That that announcement came yesterday. That makes for a five-car team of Aero McLaren trying to qualify for the 107th Indianapolis 500 in May. Tony Kanaan, Alexander Rossi, Pata Award, Felix Rosenquist, and now Larson, who will attempt the double running the Charlotte 600 race that night now, I thought for this Hendrick was, Did I see this wrong? I thought it was 2024. Uh, I think it was. I think it's this coming year, isn't it? I thought it was the five. We we're five hundred days out from the twenty twenty four five hundred. Hold on, this I, would be this would be terribly embarrassing if I read that wrong. I was confused initially. This says Kyle twenty four. You're right. Twenty four. You're right. I don't know. And Coca Cola six hundred. I think originally they said twenty three because I'm not. I'm not going to say the name of somebody and embarrass them, but somebody else who works within racing called me yesterday and was like, "How are they going to do five cars in May?" <laughs> And that was the conversation I had. So you're right, it is 24. So, Jake, break down this time and math for us. The race gets up. We haven't seen this since, what, Kurt Busch in 2014? I thought for sure it was this year. My apologies. I Trust me, when I when I first saw it, I'm like, wait, 2024? But, yeah. Uh, break down the time for us on this. The race gets over at, what, three-ish? Well, that's what's interesting is if you were to win it, right? So Kurt Busch was the last to do this in 2014. And had a very nice performance. Yeah, so the race would end, you know, assuming that they continue to do what they've done in in terms of the start time like last year race ends around three o'clock so you basically they get out of the car and go essentially right there to a helicopter usually that is in the infield take the helicopter usually to probably either eagle creek or fisher's airport where they get on a private plane or indianapolis international but to a private plane and then fly straight to charlotte uh land in charlotte probably around I don't know what five five thirty, and go straight to the racetrack in Charlotte and get in the car and run the double that begins. I'm not sure what time that race begins at night. Six ish, six thirty. I was going to say six thirty or seven. 
Um, it's not an easy thing to do, obviously. That goes without saying. I know Robbie Gordon one year crashed at Indy, came out of the infield care center, did like you know his obligatory five minutes of interviews or whatever, and then walked literally right there to the helicopter, got on it, and was gone. And ran that night in Charlotte. Tony Stewart's done it as well. John Andretti. John Andretti's done it. So uh, it's a pretty cool thing. It's pretty fun. I, I my apologies. I, I don't know why I was thinking that was this May, but and that's a huge name. I mean, for those that well, don't the know, biggest. I mean, I mean is, Kyle Larson is a huge name. Kyle Larson is from the time that he began, you know, racing and and winning races as a teen, coming up through the ranks he was winning literally in any car that he gets in he has won he got into trouble a couple of years ago when everybody was doing the eye racing thing and on a hot mic he used a slur that cost him his ride and then he he got his way back into nascar and one of the most dominating seasons that you'll see and won the points championship but he is a guy that has been targeted and thought of for this. Robin Miller, I can tell you. Robin Miller, the first time that he saw Kyle Larson, told me, he said, Jake, I just saw Mario Andretti, A.J. Foyt, and Parnelli Jones race, and it was all in the same guy hmm. in one race. Wow. So he is he is that highly thought of in terms of his racing acumen. And it's high praise. For sure. Say the and, least. and most people in the paddock would agree with exactly that Six synopsis. Six wild card games coming up this weekend. We'll go over the schedule in a little bit. Get back into the Colts conversation. Again, for those that have been looking at the candidate list, a name that we pro- we've talked a little bit about it on air, but it wasn't necessarily known that he would interview. Uh, we'll explain that. That was last night for the Colts. But coming up the next couple of days, you've got some names um, that I think have probably the most decorated of the resumes so far. We'll explain that more coming up next here. Kevin Aquari on a Friday. Uh, yesterday, Percy told me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. That Mark, one of the more underrated parts of this program is your fire re-entries that you select. Well, thank you. I would agree. Quite the DJ. There's um, always something there. He doesn't just play it to play it. He's the music coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, occasionally, 
ascends himself up into Mark the the coaching. You know, you the move up a rung liar. That's right. Thank uh, you. Uh, rare, a, a rare, rung right? higher, I should say, in the coaching quarters. That's what Eric Bieniemy, among others, would like to do. Uh, a lot of moving parts when it comes to the Colts right now, Kevin, in terms of trying to determine not only the head coach but the route that they might go at quarterback as well because we now know that a guy like Derek Carr is going to be moving on. I, I'm with you. There's no way they go that route, right? No. You know the Michael Scott gif? Just no, 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 no. Yeah. Yes. That's my thoughts. And I think Derek Carr is a fine quarterback. Fine. But you look at the money, you know, like this, uh, of all the retread things the Colts have done at quarterback here over the last couple of years, the car situation has the most commitment to it financially. Um, Field Yates, who we're hoping to have on on the show next week um, from ESPN, he tweeted out these figures yesterday. It's just astronomical to look at it. Derek Carr, over the next three years, his base salary, $31.9 million. 41.9 41.9 million and 41.3 million to get a guy that what has been in the league for a decade and has played one playoff game. No, thank you. The problem is that the, whatever happens with Derek Carr, if he does get moved, uh, that'll have effects on what the Colts do in the draft because the Raiders have the seventh overall pick. So you'd think if they move, they move Carr, they'll be itching to move up to get a quarterback in the draft. Now, it's a great point, Mark, and there are some teams, and you mentioned this briefly yesterday, just behind Indy, that I think we have to keep an eye on. You know, Seattle's got two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. You know, what does Carolina do? You obviously brought up the the Raiders. Again, Chicago is just in a golden, golden situation where they don't need to panic. They've got desperate teams lined up behind them, and they can dangle that number one pick and say, who wants it, and how willing are you to trade up for that? So I am of the opinion that Derek Carr, the last thing... I saw someone mention yesterday, I'm picturing a Colts offseason of Derek Carr, Jeff Saturday, and a drafting of left tackle at number four. <laughs> hey. Would that that be a jump off the monument? I mean, that would be... I do like Derek Carr. I, listen, I can't sit here and be somebody that backtracks on what I've said previously on this show. I, I love the leadership of Derek Carr. He's a fine quarterback, Jake, but no. He, he is, but they, but he has had talent. And, you, you know, and Arguably is the best running back wideout duel in the NFL last year. It's time for the Colts t- to reset it. I mean, there's no doubt. At some point, you've got to do it, and I understand that. It's, it's time to get going, right? Uh, any of these coaching candidates stick out to you? At all so far. Again, three interviewed Bubba Ventrone, Giro Averro, who ironically, if you look at Averro, he's the Denver defensive coordinator. He coached on the offensive side of the ball under Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco for a few years. Eric Bieniemy interviewed late last night, and then reportedly today, Raheem Morris. D.C. with the Rams, offense coordinator Ben Johnson with the Lions, and then tomorrow Shane Steichen, offense coordinator from the Eagles. Any of those, Jake, stand out to you? I'll tell you, disingenuous for me to sit here and say that I know the ins and outs of every coach, right? And there are certain coaches that 
we don't know much about them or their abilities until they ascend into the head coaching position. And then you really, you know, you get a feeling, you go, wow, you know, how do we miss this guy? And sometimes coaching is a lot more about, you know, what is it they say? More about the Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's, right? I mean, look at Sean McVay. He was the greatest thing in the history of coaching a year ago. And then this year, they're. The Rams, the bottom falls out. Injury's a big part of that. He doesn't have as many players. And now, is he going to continue to coach? Still got Mrs. McVay. Now, <laughs> having said that, uh, the guy that, that actually, Kevin, you probably have sold me on without even realizing you have, a guy that I'm pretty intrigued by is Raheem Morris. You know, I remember when he was the head coach in Tampa – 32 years old, by the way. He was young. Then. And, you know, Stephen Holder, for example, covered those Tampa teams and speaks very highly of him. Um, and I trust Stephen's opinion in that regard. This has nothing to do with coaching acumen, I realize, but my cousin lives in Tampa and is a huge Bucks fan, season ticket holder, the whole deal. Arr. And <laughs> look at you. Arr. You like doing the pirate voice every once yeah. in a while? You know, as soon as I said that out loud, I'm like, oh, jeez, Jake loves pirate voices. <laughs> I do. That was just, uh, what we a had, big Friday mistake Yesterday, we, we've had increasing chatter for requests for my British voice, by the way. But I think that was one of your burner accounts. Yeah, I'm that not, was clearly, not convinced that was some I don't, actual person. I don't have a, a burner account. Um, Valerie, my cousin, used to talk all the time when he was there about what a great guy Raheem Morris was in the community. That didn't win you football games. But I think it shows a leadership slash maturity about him that maybe didn't translate into the football field as a young person. But I think that he does have a reputation as being a really good leader that is probably ready to, again, try his hand at head coaching. You know, something I thought about with the BNME move last night, Jake, and this might be a tad galaxy brain, so I apologize if it is that. But what's one of the knocks on Eric Bieniemy? How much say does he have in Kansas City? Right. How much is he really stirring that sh- you know right. drink? Like you know, is it all Mahomes and Reed? Well, what if you hired a Raheem Morris as your head coach, and then Eric Bieniemy came here as the offensive coordinator and called the plays, and he ran the offensive show. He got out of the Kansas City cloud. Does he view that as hey, we have had unbelievable success here in Kansas City, won a Super Bowl? Hell, they might win a Super Bowl here in the coming weeks. But do I feel like to finally get that head coaching job, I've got to get out of this situation, prove that I can run the entire offensive show, and maybe that will open up some eyes? That is something, I think, to keep in mind with some of these candidates. Ajiro Avero, which I'm always having trouble to say, the candidate that was interviewed yesterday afternoon, again, defensive coordinator in Denver last year. Well, look at Denver right now. They're looking for a head coach, so seemingly Avero is is free. Um would he make sense if you hired more of an offensive-minded head coach there? So I think some of these, yes, they could be head coaching candidates, of course, but also if you hire predominantly one side of the ball or the other, these guys could factor into coordinators. But, and I do think, you know, look at what happened to Matt Eberflus here. He ran the show defensively. That was his baby. Frank Reich didn't even touch it. And what happened? He was able to... Parlay that into a head coaching gig. You know, do do people view that opportunity here in Indy? 
If you're Eric Bieniemy, why though would you leave being the offensive coordinator where Patrick Mahomes is your pilot? Because he haven't gotten a head coaching gig in four years. But I'm saying to be an o, if you were saying like if he to be an O coordinator elsewhere, I mean. But to call the plays and to be Fair. the one that that's really leading that. I think a lot of people, rightfully so, think that Andy Reid is the guy there, and that has kind of stunted a little bit of you know how much people have belief, I guess, in. Eric B. Enemy. So I do think that is something to uh, keep an eye on. I saw a report yesterday. I meant to mention this a little bit earlier. Um, we've, we've talked Pacers, a little bit of trade deadline. A guy in the building tonight that I think is frequently mentioned with the Pacers. John Collins. I was just going to say John Collins, who they could have had in the draft, right? He, Yeah, the old TJ Leaf over John Collins. John Collins, when he went through the draft process... The question marks about John Collins were his commitment and his maturity. Now, obviously, uh, interestingly enough, those are two things that ended up doing in T.J. Leaf, quite frankly. I, I don't know that, you know, T.J. Leaf was asked by the Pacers to do some things in the off seasons that he declined or was going to do on his own and, you know, just kind of never worked out for him. And I think at UCLA, had they... And I'm sure the Pacers did do their homework, don't get me wrong, but I think that there was some question about T.J. Leaf um, in terms of his just kind of being a pain at UCLA. Um, so choosing that over John Collins is interesting, but Collins has been a good player for Atlanta. And I do think that is a bit of a missing ingredient for Indiana. Like when O'Shea Brissett was out the other night, I'm thinking to myself, who the hell is going to play the four? Yeah. Because Neesmith has been a guy that's played with, with that starting unit. The Pacers have really by, gotten small. I'm intrigued by this year when Tice gets healthy. What if they play him or what they what they do with him? Yeah, John Collins was a name kind of thrown around there. Um, so tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Pacers are a three and a half point underdog. Last I saw, again, Tyrese Halliburton out for two weeks. For those that missed that update, will be reevaluated. Kristen Airy going to join us in about an hour to talk more about that. Uh, recent broadcaster of the year, correct, Chris? Indiana sportscaster of the year, correct. Bob Kravitz on the written side, well deserved for both of those parties. Uh, speaking of someone that I'm, I'm almost positive has won that award, Greg Rakestraw is going to join us next year. Kevin and Query on a Friday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. 935 the fan. Eight o'clock hour underway. Jake Query here along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is flying the ship for us this morning on a Friday. Hope you folks are set for fantastic weekend. Pacers, Hawks tonight over at the Fieldhouse. And then it is Memphis. And what I understand is a sellout tomorrow night for John Morant. No Tyrese Halliburton. We now know that that is going to be, at minimum, a two-week stint for the Pacers without 
their point guard. And no back-to-back for Memphis tonight. I know some people that probably bought tickets thought, I want to see John Morant. Good news with no Friday game. Not good for the Pacers, but Memphis with all those Indiana connections, Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Conchar and Desmond Bain and uh, Jake LaRavia. Uh, definitely one of the more anticipated home games the Pacers will have all season. Been a lot of ticket requests for that, I can assure mm. you of that. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, he, of course, you heard him on these airwaves often after Colts games as part of the Colts postgame show. In addition to that, with the ISC Sports Network covering all kinds of high school sports. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Good Friday to you, Greg. Good morning, my friends. How we doing? Uh, we're, we are, I guess, grammatically correct. We would say we are well, right? Is that right? No, we are good. I'm doing well, but I am good. I guess that would be correct. But uh, nonetheless, let's begin with this. Colts coaching search. Eric Bieniemy last night. I was... Kevin and I were talking about it. His name has obviously been around for a long time. I believe that's the 15th franchise now that has interviewed Eric Bieniemy for a head coaching position. I hadn't necessarily heard ahead of time that he was one the Colts were going to bring in, but Jim Mercer announcing last night that they had conducted that interview. What's just overall your temperature, if you will, on the coaching search, Greg? Um, that the Colts should take their time on this, and by all accounts, they are. You know, I want them to bring in as many different candidates as possible to kind of run the spectrum of, you know, let's look at who's out there. Um, again, knowing that you're thinking it for their going quarterback, I would lean more towards an offensive-minded coach than a defensive-minded coach. And I clearly think that's been the trend for the for a while in the National Football League that you know, a guy like Matt Eberflus going to the Bears is almost the exception to the rule of having a defensive-minded head coach or a head coach with a defensive background first. Uh, but take your time and, and get this right. Now that you've determined, hey, this is going to be Chris Ballard going forward, and you kind of know what the needs are for this group already, you don't have to be as, to me, as rapid fire in terms of, hey, let's go to the next hot prospect in as the head coach. Go through the process. Get as many people in here as possible to try to find the right guy to, to lead this group going forward. Rake, on that front, um, you mentioned Chris Ballard kind of leading things right now. Thomas brought this up to me. If Jim Harbaugh was interested in this job, would he be talking more to Jim Ursay though? Because potentially that would impact Chris Ballard's future here? Um, that is certainly a potential. Uh, and I think that any of the guys that have previous experience, let's face it, okay, the two headliner candidates, and they mean they're the best fit here. Uh, I think Harbaugh's more of a, a great fit than, than Sean Payton would be. But those two, you know, top candidates probably want to bring in their own personnel guy. And, you know, is, is that completely off the table? I wouldn't think so. Um, but let's face it, okay, if, if Jim Harbaugh wanted the job, and reach at the Jim Irsay, would Jim spear that over Chris? Certainly, potentially. Do I think that would get in the way of Jim getting the job here as in Harbaugh? No, I do not. Kenny's Greg Gregstraw. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, ISC Sports Network, uh, Marion County semifinals and finals coming up this weekend. We'll get into the high school section with Rake here in just a few. Uh, one more Colts one from me, though. Um, Personnel-wise, obviously quarterback, we, we don't need to go over that in terms of the importance and that clearly being number one on the offseason list. Outside of QB, I mean, Chris Boward said earlier in the week that feels like Bernard Ryman's a left tackle of the future. What position would you put number two on the list behind quarterback? 
either cornerback or wide receiver. Um, and, and, and let me again explain, because the other obvious need of the quarterback from how this team played was offensive line. Um, I still think the offensive line is, is largely going to be together next year. Again, you've got you know Ryan Kelly under contract. You've got Braden Smith under a lengthy extension. You've got Quentin Nelson under a lengthy extension. I couldn't intelligently tell you how Will Fries played in, in coming in for the right guard position in comparison to the variety of options they had at right guard during the course of the year. And so I, I just don't see them you know, saying, okay, quarterback is one, offensive line is two. Those are things that have to get better. I'm not sure that correlates to the draft order. And so corner becomes a need depending on what happens with Stephon Gilmore. Wide receiver is a need. Well, because wide receiver has been a need for some time. And, and if you're not going to address in free agency, which the Colts might in March, then I think you're looking at that in terms of the, um, you know, in terms of, of early in the draft. And it'd be, it'd be a similar time, if not a little bit sooner, than say you got a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., who clearly is a key part of your offense going forward. Greg, every team seemingly says after the draft the board fell exactly as we thought it would that's exactly how we thought it would be and we got the guy that you know they all say that there are really two two schools of thought and everybody says that typically they just go with like best player available da 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 has chris ballard been more of a draft to needs or best player on his board at time of draft guy and will he alter the direction in which he has typically gone? Well, what I will say is this, is that I, I think that the uh, the needs will match the board. How's that for a draft cliche for you this year? Um, because, again, the Colts have not been in this position since 2018. And when they were in this position, you had Andrew Luck. You didn't have to go out and, you know, you, you weren't reaching for a quarterback. So you know, let's face it, and Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the position that the Colts had at three and the trade with the Jets became Sam Darnold, right? Yes, uh-huh. And, and hindsight would tell you perhaps that was a reach, not by the Colts, but by the Jets, to draft him at three. And so the Colts have not been in that position. And let's also face it, the last two times the Colts have drafted a quarterback, they've been at number one when you clearly kind of know who the guy is going to be. And the Colts also had the good fortune of drafting a quarterback in drafts like ones that had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, where you're going to be set for several years, you know, once you made that pick. There is not that certainty at four, but it's still a spot where you go, all right, what the Colts need and where you could get that sort of player, you're hitting that intersection of those two points. So I would say Chris has been more of a, draft the best player available by investing in a left guard at pick number six. Uh, and the other example would be last year where the Colts, we all thought, had a pretty glaring need at left tackle. You know, they brought in Eric Fisher as a stopgap, but in a, in a draft that was very you know, heavily tackle-oriented, Quiddy Pay was the guy that was brought in. And Quiddy seems to be a pretty solid player, but there's also a guy, for example, named Christian Darasaw that's a starting left tackle with Minnesota Vikings. I think he's basically started every game in the last two years. He was still available when you know the Colts were on the board last year. So I would say typically Chris has been the guy that would draft the best player available. This year, I think best player available and need 
are could be one and the same, and that's generally where you hit your sweet spot in terms of the draft. Greg Gregshaw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, ISC Sports Network. Rick Shitton Gears uh, mentioned it earlier. The stat is rather astonishing. 23 of 27. That is Wisconsin over Indiana since 2008. Uh, they've won the Badgers 23 of their last 27. I look at Wisconsin this year, and, and they got a guy in their starting lineup who's a freshman, Rake, averaging double figures from Fort Wayne. I don't remember him too much from his high school days, as if Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer at Purdue don't add enough insult to injury. Indiana fans, if and I hope I'm saying his name right, is it Connor Asijan? You nailed it. What do you recall about him back in his high school days? He's averaging double figures for him. Well, the, the people in Albion would be mad that you called them Fort Wayne since he went to Central Noble High School. So, oh Gosh, is, is, is that not Fort Wayne? That it is the Fort Wayne area, but it is not Allen County. It is the county that is kind of to the northwest. Apologies uh, to the noble faithful. Well, thankfully, I don't think the 10575 signal is getting up there. I think you're okay. <laughs> yeah, um, we barely get to Noblesville. I, I was going to leave that for you, uh, but there you go. Uh, I throw the softball, you knock him out of the park. Well done. Uh, but Connor is an active player. Uh, Connor played at a 2A school, led them to the, to the state championship game, where in the minds of some, they were upset by Providence last year. Um, but but Connor, want to say, he, I know he's the all-time leading scorer in Central Noble. He might be the all-time leading scorer in the county at this point because he had a phenomenal prep career. And... You know, you, when, the, when when a kid racks up big numbers at a smaller school, you always wonder how ready he is uh, to play at a, at a major college level. I had one chance to see him play last year, and that was, again, against smaller school competition in Bar-Reeve. But athletically, he looked the part. Unfortunately, he got hurt uh, and couldn't play in the Indiana All-Star Series. He was there but didn't play. But, you know... He was ready to be a Big Ten athlete, even playing at a 2A high school. And so I'm not surprised that he is doing great things at Wisconsin. Wisconsin rarely recruits players from the state of Indiana. So it's, it's kind of... Yeah, first legal. one since 97, I saw. Charlie Wills, I think, was the last mm-hmm. one uh, back in 97. Uh, but Connor can play. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not surprised that he is doing very well up in Madison for Greg Garden. Greg, we always have around the state a player or two that goes on like, you know, Kevin's talking, I mean, exactly that. A guy that sure. by the time they're three, you know, three quarters of the way through their college career, you go, man, I have no memory of that guy playing high school basketball in Indiana. Give me a player or two right now in the state that doesn't get the headlines, that doesn't get a lot of attention, that is flying kind of off the radar, but is a legitimate college prospect and one that people are sleeping on and that yet he is going to make his high school proud in a couple of years on the national scene? Well, I would, I would say the most direct correlation in terms of, you know, from a small school outside of, the, you know, a, well, an hour or so removed at least from the Indy area would be Joey Hart. Now in Southwest Indiana, that kid's a, a, a well-known commodity and a big deal. He is going to play at the University of Central Florida. Um, again, is he a Mr. Basketball candidate? Kind of on the fringe this year of that. Is he a definitive Indiana All-Star? Absolutely. Uh, obviously, his dad has been in the news for the wrong reasons, uh, with uh, unfortunately you know, being kind of on suspension right now because of a uh, public intoxication case. But dad is head coach at Linton Stockton. Dad played at Coastal Carolina. In fact, played against the Fab Five uh, in, in the NCAA tournament back in 1993. So, 
Joey's going to play at Central Florida, which now is you know a, a pretty high level of college basketball. Even it's a pedigree program that doesn't have this great pedigree, he would be the most direct corollary in this year's class to a similar path that Connor Asijan took to get to Wisconsin. Are you Southport bound tonight? I am Southport bound each of the next two nights. And so, what do we got? We got that is Southport's in it, right? They're in the semifinals. Obviously, Ben Davis. I forget who else rounds out the final four for the Marion County so, Tournament. So, so you reference the second semifinal. The first semifinal is Pike and Lawrence North, who have yet to play each other this year. Their regularly scheduled game is February the 17th. So uh, I think these are going to be two pretty good semifinals. It is a Pike team that we kind of had some question marks about coming into the season, but they've got a very experienced point guard in, in Devin Woods. He's probably more of a, a D2 NAI level kid, but a really good high school basketball player. Uh, Pike's, Pike was a little bit young coming in, but they've been playing really well as of late. LN's got young talent. What Lawrence North doesn't have is a lot of size. They are largely a 6-3 and under team, which is rare for a Lawrence North team. No Jack Kiefer, obviously, which catches your attention. Chris Giffen is in his first year as, as the head coach, only second head coach in the history of Lawrence North High School. The first 46 years had been served by Jack Kiefer. That'll be a good matchup of, of two solid teams. Then you get to number one, Ben Davis. If they win tonight, it is their best start since the 30s. Hmm. This 15-0 start matches their 93-94 team that didn't win a state championship, but they won one the next two years. The other stat that will catch your attention is that Ben Davis, for their prowess in basketball, has not won the Marion County Tournament since 1995. They were ahead by double digits in the final last year, and North Central came back to surprise them. The other thing that certainly bears mentioning is the fact that the closest that Ben Davis has come to losing this year was at Southport Fieldhouse to Southport on November the 30th. Cardinals took him to overtime before Ben Davis won. Southport has a pretty experienced group this year. Beat a Lawrence Central team was playing really well in the quarterfinals in their building on Wednesday night. That will not be a cakewalk for Ben Davis. We should have two really good semifinals this evening. Rick, I was up at uh, Fisher's yesterday and was talking with a couple people on their basketball staff, and they were raving about Jalen Harrelson, the sophomore up there. Uh, I think consensus kind of top 10 recruits, that he's just a great, great kid. And it kind of hit me, like, we're in this era right now, I guess, in Indiana, where you've got a top 10 Mm-hmm. basketball recruit in each class or at least each of the top three classes Xavier Booker and feel free to correct me on the pronunciation Flory Badunga you nailed it 100%. Okay. and then Jalen Harrelson have you seen Harrelson from from Fishers I know certainly Indiana and Purdue have their eyes on him we had him I didn't have their game we had him at South Florida they played in the forum tip-off classic I will see them on February the 14th when they play at Lawrence North so I have not had him in a game yet but obviously, I, I know of the background, and what I hear about him, in addition to you know his overall talent, is that while he is obviously the dominant force in their in their offense, it's not like he is going to shoot the ball every time. That he is great about involving his teammates and making sure the ball moves on a regular basis. They again had some talent graduate off of last year's team. Their record has been you know kind of five hundred or so. 
they're going through some through some lumps in, in a pretty tough schedule. Their credit, you know, obviously in the HCC, they're playing a great schedule. They play most of the mixed schools. They play in, you know, a lot of these kind of shootout events. You Knowing they've got a player like Jalen to kind of showcase his talents, but he is a really good player and worthy of all the recruiting hype that goes around him. You know, the one player I meant to ask about, Greg, that I've heard a lot about, Greg Rakestra is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Um, and I started hearing about this kid. Damon Bailey comparisons are really unfair, I get. But only comparison I make there is that I started hearing about this kid like when he was an eighth grader. I think he's now a sophomore uh, down in the southern part of the state at Heritage Hills. Trent, is it Sisley or Sisley? Sisley, you got it. Um, he's a power forward, right? And I guess Correct. Purdue got in on him early. I mean, we'll see. But, you know, oftentimes, Greg, as you know, Guys at a young age can get tabbed really highly. Sure. And then everybody kind of catches up to them in terms of, you know, just maturation, physical maturation. He was a huge name early and is still pretty big. Is he going to sustain towards the upper echelon of the state in terms of recruits? I think so because there's a pedigree there. Uh, So his older brother, Blake, plays at Wright State, was an Indiana All Star two years ago, and was an Indiana All Star on the deepest class the state has ever had um you know, his brother was an all-star in a year where there were guys that you know were going to, to power five conferences that didn't make the all-star team that's how good that group was two years ago his dad matt played at southeast missouri state so i i, I understand and can cite examples of guys that were six five six six as a freshman you go hey he's starting to get big 10 level interest two years later he's still six five six six and all of a sudden that major college interest becomes mid-major or low division one interest i don't think that's the case there because again against his peers he's been one of the better players in the midwest and again you also have a little family history there we know all right this is a family that has dad's a college basketball player older brother's a high level college basketball player we think this kid's better than even those two players again i i do think that that interest will will sustain uh in in trent rick before we let you go we brought this up to end the show yesterday Flory Badunga made 32 straight shots. That is correct. And most of them are taken atop the rim. You know, that's, 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 that's I was going to say, how many yeah. were dunks? Do you know? Um, probably 33 of the 32, <laughs> I would be my guess. Um, that's and, that's and, incredible. And, right, I mean, he is still a work in process. And to his credit, he does not force shots that he does not feel he's capable of making. Most everything he does is... is not even 10 feet it in, but five feet it in. He's got some good composers. He's got a nice drop step, a little jump hook. Um, as he hits the AAU circuit this offseason, uh, I'm sure working on that perimeter game, that pick-and-pop game, maybe even a three-point game, will be things that, that he will do. He is, he is recruited on the raw ingredients, which are jaw-dropping, and also his character, which by all accounts is really good. Uh, I've had one interaction with him. Could not have been a nicer kid. He speaks four different languages. French is the language he grew up speaking predominantly in in the Congo, uh, but his English is, is quite good too. Pretty good as, as much as his basketball is. So he's drafted for his athletic draft, and he will be at some point. But he's looking at major college, you know, basketball for his athleticism, his rebounding, his defense, his offense is a work in progress. But if you can if you can get above the rim and get in transition. Um, you're not going to find a higher percentage shot than that dunk, which he is prone to do 
on a night-in, night-out basis. All right, last thing here, Greg. We're going to play a fun game. We're going to play a three-team round-robin between the Indiana High School All-Stars of your graduating class, of Kevin's graduating class, and of my graduating class. Okay? Okay. Give me your year. 1994. Okay, I've got it right here. The 1994 Boys All-Stars. We'll let mm-hmm. Mark Dykton determine which of these three teams is best. Bryce Drew. Hang Lee- on a second. Hang on a, hang on a second. We're letting the guy that's not from Indiana determine this. Yeah. Point. Well, that might actually be a decent barometer, I guess. Uh, Bryce Drew, Lee Nalon, who was very underrated. Sean uh, Doherty. Is it Doherty or Daughtery? Um, Doherty. I also played at Wisconsin. Uh, Brian Hanley, John Newhauser, Scott Combs. Uh, T is it Tease Darner? That's Link Darner's brother. Tig, Tig, Tig. Okay, Gerard Powers, Ladrell Whitehead, Shane Miller, Don Mallory, and Bonzi Wells. Is that the Colt Gerard Powers? <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's a solid team. Okay, Kevin, your year. Well, Rick, you got to vote for my year because Alex Young scored how many points at IUPUI? And you called uh, a, a bazillion. I think he's third in our all-time scoring. Thank list. you. And you called how many of those games? Uh, two thousand eight. So obviously Gordon Hayward. And others. I think there was a Zeller there. Okay, hang on. 2008. I got to go to... I got to go back. See, this. I'm in the 90s right now. Somehow I've got to get back to... I got it right here. Okay, go ahead Uh, with yours. Garrett Butcher, Randy Davis from Plymouth, of course. Gordon Hayward, Braden Hobbs, Kyle Couric, Julian Mavunga, Julius Mays, Daniel Moore, Zach Novak, Walter Offit, Chase Stegall, Larry Stone, Alex Young, and Tyler Zeller. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. All right, 1991. Andre Owens, Steve Nicodemus, Damon Bethea, LaSalle Thompson, Ryan Wolf, Chris Wilburn, Jeff Massey, Brandon Brantley, Andy Elkins, Marlon Fleming, Brian Evans, Lamar Morton, Alan Henderson, Glenn Robinson. Oh, jeez. Well, until you said the last two, I was feeling good. <laughs> if we're playing two-on-two, two, I like Jake's chances. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 hey. if we're going depth of class, I'm kind of partial to... Bryce Drew hitting a game-winning shot from my class. That's where I'm leaning. You know, Breaking. part of me was like, Wait, "Do I have on. the best NBA player?" And then Jake started rattling off it. I mean, I've got, I've got one, two, three, four, five. Six. I've got seven Big Ten players. Yeah, I mean, yours is definitely. Yeah. Allen Henderson and Glenn Robinson. Does are we counting it against that Allen Henderson actually dropped off due to a scheduling conflict? To make it competitive, I think we're going to need to. Yeah, Alan Henderson dropped off the All Star team. No, I, I have no, no. He counts. I mean, come on. Let's face it. That's that. That's the second final ever played at the RCA Dome or the Hoosier Dome at the time, and those two played against each other, and they were, you know, like like of the last since that time in terms of like one two debates for Mister Basketball. The only other one that I thought was comparable to Allen and the Big Dog would have been Jared Jeffries and Zach Randolph. So, no, he counts. Yeah. And Rake, are, are they changing up the Indian All Star schedule or doing junior games or something? I saw. So, what they're doing is they're going to play four games that day at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the traditional seniors of Indiana versus Kentucky. But there's going to be an Indiana Futures game, or sorry, there's going to be a girls Futures game and a boys Futures game that takes place as well uh, Saturday, June 10th at Gamebridge. Got it. Some of these teams Got are it. stacked, by the way. No, without 88, question. Woody Austin, Sean Woods, Sean Kemp. opened up a discussion topic for the next hour and 36 minutes. Yeah, we Chandler need, we need to save this for July. That's right. You that's got, right. what, is it 2012? Is that the Gary Harris class, Rake? I mean, that, that's got to be Correct. up there with others. 
Um, he, and let's say, I, I, I cited that 2021 class right. as being the deepest in the history of Indiana. There's already a kid in the NBA from that group. <laughs> that, that, that team was so. I mean, they're they're. I think of guys like DJ Hughes and Kurt Hope. They couldn't even make the All Star team that year, and there were numerous other guys like them that you would say in virtually any other year they've been an Indian All-Star. The class of two years ago was so ridiculously good. That is absolutely absurd. He is Greg Rakestraw. Tonight, Southport for him. Again, Ellen and Pike, and then Southport and Ben Davis. Rake and Joya, one of the best gyms in uh, Indiana this weekend. Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. That's Greg Rakestraw right there on the ISC from the ISC Sports Network. It's time for Morning Checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with college basketball. It is Purdue-Fort Wayne and IUPUI last night. Purdue-Fort Wayne 70-55. Jags now 3-15. They are 0-7 in league play. Southern Indiana over Little Rock 74-67. Stan Gerard's group now 509-9 and 2-3 overall. Games tonight, Villanova and Butler. That's a 7 o'clock tip at Hinkle. And then Nebraska at Purdue. As you'd mentioned, Kevin, uh, you look at Nebraska and it's not overly imposing, but then you realize Purdue had a bit of a tussle first time around. That's such them. an ugly game in Lincoln. Zach Eady had 11 points. That's a season low for Eady. He was outstanding on the rebounding and block front there. But yeah, Fletcher Lawyer really big in that win. Then Purdue comes back. I think it's is it Michigan State on Monday. By the way, we we'll have a show Monday, Martin Luther King Day. We've got some like afternoon hoops. On Monday, I think it's two thirty on Monday. They are taking on Michigan State and, and in the, East Lansing. Do the Pacers play a matinee on Monday too? Uh, the Pacers do typically play on Dr. Martin Luther King Day. I don't have their schedule in front of me. Yeah, two thirty at Milwaukee for the Pacers on Monday. So you said Purdue's at two thirty? Correct. Boy, all right. Purdue and Pacers two thirty on Monday. Uh, speaking of the Pacers, over at Gamebridge Field House tonight, it is the Hawks, and then they've got the Grizzlies tomorrow. As Jake said, quite the ticket. Uh, the only time Memphis will play here all year. Certainly all the Indiana connections on their roster. John Morant appears to be healthy. Missed a couple of games uh, earlier, late last week, early this week, but he played on Wednesday. was outstanding, and, and they don't play tonight, so no back-to-back for Memphis leading into this one. Uh, we'll get more into the Tyrese Halliburton injury update here in a few, but just in summary, uh, Jake, he is out at least two weeks, and then a reevaluation will occur. Left elbow and left knee. Um, that is the update there. Miles Turner questionable for tonight. So the back spasms, the MRI that Turner had, doesn't appear to reveal anything too, too serious on that front. By the way, the 2007 Indiana All-Stars. Oh, is that Eric Gordon? Eric Gordon, Zach Hahn, Matt Howard, Robbie Hummel, Jawan Johnson, Scott Martin, Etwan Moore, Jeff Teague. Well, I, how about the year before? Little, yeah, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Luke Herringote, Chris Kramer. Uh, Vaughn Duggins was a nice player. Can you imagine a front court of Oden and Herringote? Herringote <laughs> <laughs> looked like a grizzly. Uh, player, you know how many passwords of mine are Herringote? <laughs> do now yeah, that's right <laughs> new karen Gody and bonzi colson my two favorite athletes of all time really how about Heron Gody's haircut oh, that's what i mean i mean oh, like, loved it he looked like a big grizzly bear oh my gosh the colts need him at left tackle all of my passwords are j edwards three <laughs> right <laughs> i'm glad we get a line on that right. uh looking ahead to the nfl playoff schedule coming up this weekend on Saturday, it is San Francisco in Seattle. Sounds like some weather. 
to keep an eye on in the Bay Area for that one. The nightcap, Jake's Jags. Can I say that, Jake? Sure. Jake's Jags taking on the Chargers. Sunday, Dolphins, Bills, Giants, Vikings, Ravens, Bengals. The disappointing one in those AFC games. Both the wildcard teams, both on the road. The Dolphins are starting Skylar Thompson, and the Ravens appear to be starting either Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown. Yeah. Those are... What did they say? The knee is unstable for Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson, right? Yeah, I do appreciate Lamar Jackson just firing off some tweets yesterday being like, all right. Here's my situation right now. Well, because there's then, um, rumors that it was because that maybe he's sitting out because he still has, doesn't have a contract with the Ravens. So that people are like, oh, well, maybe he's just mad and he's, you know, finding a way to sit out or whatever. But he's like, uh, no. That'd be quite a, I don't know, that'd be quite the move. Uh, Cowboys Bucks Monday night. And uh, the loser of that one, Mark Dykton, you have said that coach will be fired? Uh, I don't know if that coach, but I think if the Cowboys lose, Mike McCarthy will be fired. I don't know about T- Todd Bowles, but McCarthy. We'll give our picks a little bit later and go over those games. Again, the Colts head coaching search. Bubba Ventrone, Ajiro Averro, and Eric Bieniemy. Those are the three interviews so far. Bieniemy late last night. We'll chat more about that coming up. And it looks like over the next couple of days, of the candidates mentioned so far, I think just judging by fan reaction, some of the more intriguing names coming up here for Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay, 8.30 here on a Friday morning. It's overcast in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Corey, Mark Dykton, and Nathaniel looking at the board here with us. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 26 minutes before the hour of 9 o'clock. Good- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Morning to you on a Friday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Pacers in action tonight taking on the Atlanta Hawks at the Fieldhouse. And what we do know is that they will be without Tyrese Halliburton. What we know even further than that, Kevin, is that they need to get used to that thought because it's going to be at minimum two weeks, but I think probably a little bit longer than that. Uh, I feel like they don't in any way, shape, or form need to rush him back for reasons I'll later explain, but what say you? I love Luke Heron Goatee, by the way. He he looks like a grizzly bear, doesn't he? I know. Derek Schultz just tweeted about it. I I, I Google image some Luke Heron Goatee photos, and it <laughs> made me happy on this. Where is morning. he right now? Like, what's he doing right now? Uh, I think he stopped playing. I actually ran into him in a Chicago bar once. Did you um, tell him how many passwords he is for you? I decided to refrain from that. I wanted to. Did you embarrass yourself? I wanted to keep him in the bar. I thought I handled it in a rather mature way. Some might argue differently on that front. <laughs> Um, I think he played. He had a well, Celtics and Cavs are popping into my head. Any, anywhere else? I mean, primarily he played overseas, but I don't. I, I I hate to disappoint you here. I don't remember much about the career of. Luke oh, okay. Canada. Well, would you like I mean, a little bit it. of a encyclopedia on Luke? Sure. Cavaliers, seventy games played total in the NBA. Shot thirty-seven percent from the field. Twelve minutes a game. Averaged three point six points. Uh, he last played in 2020, and that was in Spain. 
What a great run for him. Hoven Toot? That's what it looks like it says. Yeah, they're uh, one of the best teams over there. I have no idea. I just hope they are because Luke <laughs> played for him. Um, yo, he had a brief stint for the Mad Ants. I just looked. Remember um, when uh, Little Hansborough, speaking of Notre Dame players, was on the uh, Pacers? Ben Ben Hansborough? Yeah. I went to, I emceed a fundraising event that George Hill held at the Indiana um, War Memorial. That was the first time I saw the elect play. They were outstanding. And George Hill brought every teammate up on stage. And Ben Hansborough got up there, and everyone, like, he was the last one to be introduced. And so everyone's, like, on the stage kind of waiting for, like, everyone to applaud that the Pacers roster was there. And Ben Hansborough, out of nowhere, I don't know if this had been set up ahead of time. It didn't seem like anybody else was aware of it. Out of nowhere, Ben Hansborough just said, we about to do some Gangnam style? <laughs> and he broke into that dance. And I forgot all about that. Everybody in the place was like, what is happening <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something Ben Hansborough would do. Yeah, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> it was very awkward, Andrew. Thank do the Pacers you. need him uh, for a third point guard R- right now? Um, yes, to get back to Tyrese Halliburton, like you said, Jake, reevaluated here in two weeks. Left knee, left elbow. Um, I'm with you. I, I, I think, honestly, you keep him out through the All-Star break. I know it's disappointing for him. Obviously, he wants to be an All-Star, wants to play in the All-Star game, all of those things. But when you look at the schedule... And how it's kind of mapped out, and you look at the injury, um, you definitely want to err on the side of, side of caution here. You know, two things. In the short term, what stood out to me is this is the first real adversity the Pacers have faced all year. I mean, we're, we're what, 40-some games into the season. Miles Turner missed a week to start the year. Outside of that, you've had Turner, Matherin, Halliburton, Heald. None of them have been hurt for any length uh, of time, and then you look at just the losses for the Pacers this season. Obviously, there haven't been a ton. I think they only have one losing streak of more than two games. So, it's the first real adversity for the team. Uh, if I were Rick Carlisle, I know he's been, you know, kind of your pocket knife guy for you this season. But I would give Andrew Nemhard the ball and say, "You're our point guard." With the starting lineup until Tyrese Halliburton gets back, I'd put Matherin in the starting lineup. That I think kind of offsets a little bit of the scoring that you're obviously going to lose with uh, with Hal Burton. And maybe, I'm not holding my breath for this, but Jake, maybe if you put Mather in the starting lineup, that gives Chris Duarte more shots with the second unit, maybe a little bit more confidence. TJ McConnell continues to run the second unit. That's how I would operate. To repeat what I was talking about earlier, what were you going to say, Mark? I was going to say, well, we, we can save it, but somebody asked uh, Ke- Kevin who he'd save in a life or death situation, Luke Herringote or Benedict Matherin? I thought you were going to go with Tiger Woods too. Well, if you want the trifecta, I can give it to you. I would. I just. I. I'd sacrifice myself. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. I, I'd go there. What a man. Well, thank you. Continue. I, Tiger and Heron go to. You've kind of had their day, right? Like at least with Matherin, you're. Um, oh, well, uh, let's see what happens here in 2023 for Tiger. Okay. The ma- master is about three months away. By the way. When you look at this Pacers roster and this installment of the Pacers, and I think that it is very easy, credit to the Pacers for that, for us to lose sight of the following. And that is, this is a team that is well ahead of schedule. We had conditioned ourselves, partially at the urgent of the Pacers brass, as a fan base and a media, we had conditioned ourselves for the fact that this year was not just a retool, but a total rebuild. And I think it's gone from rebuild now to back to retool because 
They thought they had good pieces with Benedict Matherin, obviously with Tyrese Halliburton, with Chris Duarte, Jalen Smith. Isaiah Jackson was in that mix at the beginning of the year. And they didn't really know. I think they thought they had a good player in Andrew Nimhard, but a second-round pick, you're never totally sure. Then they gave him a big contract for a second-round pick and guaranteed it. And they were curious to see what would happen. And I can tell you that the Pacers brass was very excited because they felt like they had the centerpiece in Tyrese Halliburton that everything else fed off of. Literally, he was like the little bubbler in the middle of the aquarium that everything like was it was bubbling out stuff that everybody was feeding off of. And that's exactly what they wanted out of Halliburton. And they wanted to see how Miles Turner would respond to that and how other players would play with Halliburton on the floor. He was absolutely the key cog in the wheel. And what we have seen now, because it's been a half a season, I think they have seen enough body of work to say, yes, we now know that we have a team that we can grow that now simply needs retooling as opposed to rebuilding so long as Halliburton is here as our piece. However, what you do, I think, in any situation, in particular in sports, is at times you have to take away that centerpiece to find out exactly how guys respond when the spotlight now shifts on the stage away from the center of it over to the right-hand corner where they've been kind of comfortably operating without people noticing everything they're doing. And Nimhard has had his moments where he's been in that spotlight, but not for extended periods of time. Especially a point guard. Correct. And Aaron Neesmith has had moments where he's very, the light has started to hit him a little bit, but not for extended periods of time. Same with Matherin. This is a great test and a great opportunity for those guys now when defenses and and spotlight and focus is on them for them to experience that which they have not yet as professional players and that means that then that is in, that's increasing the metal of those auxiliary pieces this is and we certainly hope for the sake of Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers that this is strictly an inconvenience and not a long-term issue for him I don't think it is this is going to be a bump in the road that's not very fun, but I think it's one that is that very possibly, like two years from now, we're going to look back at and say, you remember that month and a half stretch when Aaron Neesmith first got here or in Nimhard's rookie year? Man, that was critical now because those guys have a confidence in the, and the, the franchise knows what they can get out of them. And I think it's important. Uh, Ryan asks us here on Twitter, are the Pacers going to be active at the deadline by adding a piece, or is it dependent on Miles signing an extension? They have the space to add another significant piece. Um, you know, Typically, at deadline moves, you don't see a whole lot of moves that factor into kind of like the long-term plan for you. It's a lot of, hey, here's a guy. You can dump a salary at the end of the year, and he can help you out for a couple months. I, I don't really want to see the Pacers buying at all at the trade deadline. I mean, sure, if you could get some long piece, long-term long piece that's really good for you, I guess that would work out. But isn't every team trying to do that to some degree? And, and why I say I don't want to see them buyers, I mean, they've been incredibly healthy through the first 42 games. And they're still 7th in the Eastern Conference. Like, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they'd be in the play-in game. So, I, I just think you have to... You know, live in a little bit of dose of reality here in this season of remember what the discussion was in mid-October. You don't need to sacrifice anything right now that 
all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know, maybe we'll be the sixth seed in the playoffs. Halliburton's going to miss multiple weeks. It's at least eight games, and in all likelihood, he's going to miss more than that. So I think of the deadline, yes, the Miles extension situation, that is going to be, you know, priority number one, and that's going to impact a lot of stuff. But outside of that, the Pacers can't think of themselves as, oh my gosh, we've lost Halliburton for a month. We need to go out and get a veteran point guard and trade yeah. a first-round pick. No, I think the Pacers... let, let Nemhard play point. Give those Agreed. other guys expanded roles and remember what the big picture was at the start of the year. I think the Pacers see this particular team is one that is in need of minor addition, not major juxtaposition. And a lot of that is dependent upon what happens with Miles Turner, to your point. Daniel Tice is a guy that we forget about, but but I I think he is one that they also think can give them maybe some minutes once he's healthy. It's a knee issue with him, but they do need an enforcer. They do need a little nastiness. They in, need in Heron the Goody. <laughs> okay. Luke Heron Goody in college, guys. Sophomore year, 20.4 points, 10.6 rebounds. This is in the old Big East, by the way. Junior year, 23.3 points per game. 11.8 rebounds, and then his senior year, 21.8 points per game, 9.1 How did you prefer, how possibly, though, could you have liked him more than you liked Troy Murphy? Oh, so Murphy, that was when Ryan Bowen, my older brother, would write red rum on his shoes, murder backwards, um, because Troy Murphy did it. Red rum. Interesting household. How much NBA money for Troy Murphy, Jake? I know you love this game. Uh, NBA money for Troy Murphy. I'm going to go with over the course of his career, he netted $52 million. Oh, got to be more. Oh, more. I'm going to say like 95. Yeah, I was going to say probably right. 100. He probably had a. He wouldn't have had a max deal, but but a pretty. Wow, good actually, Jake is very close. 66 mil. Speaking of red rum, in The Shining, Troy Murphy would be pretty good in like present day NBA. He'll stretch big man. Yeah, he's a little slow foot, but he could he could shoot. You guys have both seen The Shining, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Do you know that I. I don't even know how, but the, the two twins, the British girls that, that play the twins yeah. in The Shining, come and play with us, Daniel. They, We are mutual followers, followers of one another on Twitter, and I needed for them, when I did the afternoon show with Derek Schultz, Derek is always talking about how great he is because he's a triplet, and he's make, he makes a big deal out of his birthday, but he's terrified of his own shadow, and most notably of the Shining twins. Mm-hmm. So through Twitter, I got a hold of one of Very them. Very understandable, by the way. <laughs> I know. So I got a hold of them to ask them if they could do uh, a little bit for me for our radio show to scare Derek, which they did. But that opened up a dialogue between me and one of the Shining Twins. Could not be nicer. They live in England still. But she told me a fascinating story about when they made that movie and Daniel, isn't that the kid's name? Daniel? Yeah. Red, Red Sounds Ram. right. The three kids in the movie, Stanley Kubrick, when they made the movie had the three child actors, but they were never told that they were making a horror movie. So they just told him... Like, they all didn't want the, to scare him? Correct. So the, the, the twins and Daniel, they filmed all of their stuff over a three-day stretch. They gave them apparently a ton of chocolate cake and ice cream and stuff and just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then... You know, they told him, like, well, just don't show any emotion. Like, stand here kind of weird and just say yeah. these words. Just hold your Pez behind your back, and then after you read your lines, you can have your Pez. <laughs> right. So they had no idea. And then when the movie came out, the, the girls that played the Shining Twins, their parents didn't let them see the movie until they were 18. 
And they had no idea they'd made a horror movie. They just knew that they had to stand. The things like where the blood comes through, that was yeah. all. Like, Should CPS know. have intervened there? I, seriously, like it's, you know what I mean? But they, anyway. I guess it shouldn't surprise us, Mark, that Jake's friends with them. Yeah, that's the <laughs> least surprising thing I I'm going to come visiting. I need grave sites. I can come visit when I'm over there. By the way, if, if I'm coming to visit there, apparently I can't do it in July because I just got an email. My, explain this to me. I have a flight on July 16th. And I just got noticed that it's been canceled. What? Yeah, FAA is going to be down that day. Seven months from now. Is that weather related, as my buddy Rob Whitaker said? What? Seven months from now, my flight's canceled. So on July 17th, you guys might have somebody in here because I don't think I'm going to make it back after a race. What are you laughing at? I forgot we got... That's even a scenario right now. Isn't that... (laughs) Flight got canceled seven months ago. When is your first IndyCar race? Is there one in February? Uh, End of February or early March is St. Pete. But it's becoming harder to get back... Unless I do the charters, it's it's harder to get back now because commercial Where Where will you be that day? I think you should just... Why don't you spend the night and Comrex it? I thought about that. You can eat all the, you know, ketchup-flavored chips you want and still do the show. That'd be pretty cool. And then you can kind of hang in the city for half a day and fly back at night. Catch but, a Blue Jays game, maybe. Quite frankly, after races, like as soon as the checker flag falls, I'm like, I want to get home. Yeah. I hear you. It doesn't sound like it's going to be an option for you. <laughs> I can drive back. He's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dyke in about 10 or 15. Kristen Airy is going to join us to talk more about the Pacers. We'll give you a rundown on the Colts head coaching candidate list. Two interviews yesterday, reportedly two today, one coming up tomorrow. And then to round out the show, we've got to make some wild card picks. Six games coming up, two tomorrow, three Sunday, one on Monday. Kevin Aquari. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Right here on 93.5, The Fan. It's not as far to drive from Toronto as you think. Now, last year was when Graham Rahal totally saved me, and because I was a last-minute addition, couldn't get a flight private back. Private jet. It wasn't a jet, but it, it was fun though. It was with Jack Harvey, and but I guess I could drive back. But if the race ends at six, I mean, I'd get back at like three, and then come in here and do the show. Yeah, it sounds like hell for us. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. If you could only watch one wild card game this weekend, it would be what? I really do think that the and there's no way that this game is is probably going to have long term implication in the playoffs itself. But I think that Jacksonville Charger game is going to be interesting because you have two young quarterbacks that are kind of getting their chance to to flex their muscle. Yeah, first a little playoff bit. appearance for each, right? I said, okay, let me ask you this. Which one would you go with? Um, I'd probably either go there or I'm a sucker for storylines, so Monday night, Cowboys, Bucks. I sent the following tweet yesterday. I said, not who you want, but who you think 
which contains the Super Bowl champ. Now, there are four groupings here because you can only do four. So here you go. You ready? Yeah. Which of these contains the Super Bowl champ? You don't have to say which team. Group A, Kansas City, Seattle, and Baltimore. Group B, Philadelphia, Miami, or the New York Giants. Group C, Buffalo, Dallas, Tampa, and Minnesota. Or Group D, San Francisco, the Chargers, Jacksonville, Cincinnati. One of those groups has 42% of the votes. Yeah, I'd probably go with that last group. I voted on that one. I said C. You went with Buffalo, Dallas, Tampa, mm-hmm. Minnesota? Yep. So I'll probably go with the last one. I would tend to agree with you, Kevin, because San Fran, some question at quarterback there perhaps, but but really good defense. Cincinnati, clearly a contender. And, and the Chargers do feel like one that if they get hot can do it, but I've said They're that for like five years. starting to get a little healthier as well. They've been really banged up this season. Rashawn Slater there. Young left tackle, Joey Bosa potentially could be back. Maybe not this week, but if they win, potentially next week. Which one had the most votes? Uh, that last grouping. Kansas or San Francisco, Chargers, Jacksonville, Cincinnati. The lines, for those that care, nine and a half San Francisco favored by Seattle tomorrow. Again, the weather in the Bay Area is supposed to be a little dicey for that one. Jacksonville at home, a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Jacksonville smoke the Chargers earlier in the season? I think that's right, yeah. And that was, that kind, was of kind of one of the Jackson- Trevor Lawrence's yeah. real breakout games, right? Uh, Buffalo is a 13-point favorite against Skylar Thompson in Miami. That's got to be higher, right? The Vikings are favored by just three against the Giants. Bengals, that line is nine-and-a-half against the Ravens starting a backup quarterback and the Cowboys are a road favorite two and a half over Tom Brady's Bucks. Jaguars beat the Chargers back in week three that was they smoked the Colts 24 nothing then the very next week they beat the Chargers 38 to 10 in LA does are you guys gonna wager anything on your wild card bet? Remember from yesterday? I mean, I'm I'm fine with the over, six pack under, of PBR. Again, over under two and a half wild card teams win this weekend. So basically, over under two and a half road teams: Seattle, the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. Jake, you would say over, correct? I'll and go Mark, over. You're going under. I I'll said go under. over. Under. What do we wager? I said six pack of PBR. But here's the thing: I only drink PBR on draft. Oh my god! I only drink beer on draft. I, I, How about some Bucky Nuggets? <laughs> that's a drive. My that friend. is a drive. <laughs> Mark, it hasn't stopped you before. Right. Well, I don't have any plans this week. I'm not planning to drive. Well, anywhere. you do now. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, Mark, you you only like the Chargers and the Giants? Yes. And Jake, you're going with the Cowboys on top of those two? I noticed Mark's wearing his PBR shirt. I am. Got to represent the brand. I, I if take we're gonna... Dallas. I think the Giants can win, and I think the Chargers can win. So there's. I think the Vikings have been frauds for a while with that point differential. And it does feel like the Vikings are teetering, right? Mm-hmm. They got yeah. some big weapons, though. Big weapons, boy! You talk about arguably the best running back and best receiver in that game. Yeah, like in in football mm-hmm. in Saquon Barkley and Justin Jefferson. All right, Chris and I are going to join us in a few. Kristen Eric. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. You're going to join us in a few. Final hour of the week. It's, I'd say, a tad unusual, Jake, to get to a Friday. And obviously, we're used to having Pacers in action on Fridays. Pacers and Hawks tonight at 7. Tomorrow, the Grizzlies in town. But then you've got two college basketball games here in the state tonight as well at the you know high major level. Butler hosting Villanova and Purdue hosting Nebraska. Purdue a 15.5-point favorite over Fred Hoiberg and company. And boy, you want to know how bad Villanova's been this year? Butler's favored. Butler's a one and That's a half point favorite. That's amazing that Villanova has. I mean, can you imagine what the. Now, interestingly enough, I don't know that a sports radio program in Philadelphia probably talks much Villanova. A lot of Eagles right now, I'd guess. Yeah. So, but can you imagine? I mean, there's got to be concern there, right? And then Jay Wright's in Bloomington this weekend to meet with Scott Dolson. That's right. Kidding on that front. Well, maybe. Are you? Uh, Spiro Didis on the CBS call with Bill Rafferty and Jay Wright. I've heard Jay Wright in studio. have enjoyed that. I've not heard him on a game yet. So, I just think Jay Wright is a class guy all the way around, man. I think he was a great coach. Uh, loved the way he ran his program. Mentioned before when the NCAA tournament was here. And all of the teams were, you know, basically sequestered or yeah, the COVID, yeah, the COVID year. And I asked staff. I used to love to, you know, at one of the hotels. I'm like, so the JW, which is where all the teams initially stayed. And I talked to like three different staff people. I'm like, hey, so what team was like? And they're like, oh, Villanova was. They were polite. They thanked us every day. They could not have been nicer kids. Just great program all the way around. My uh, sister-in-law was part of the. Uh, nursing contingent that administered COVID tests to, oh, really? to the players on a daily basis, and uh, she, her favorite team in the tournament that year was the Cougars of BYU because they were the nicest bunch. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, she was a big BYU fan during that turn. I don't think they got on much of a run there, but that was her vote. Speaking of votes, uh, Mark, do we have some like congratulations music? Maybe a. And we probably should have planned this better, but. We have an award winner joining us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Chris Denary. Jake, I forget the verbiage. Indiana Broadcaster of the Year? I is believe it's it? Indiana Sportscaster of the Year. Indiana Sportscaster of the Year. He is Chris Denary, former coach of Kevin Bowen back in the day, and you obviously hear him on Bally Sports. Chris, congrats on that. Extremely well-deserved. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, very honored to win. Uh, there are so many great sportscasters, broadcasters in Indiana, U2, I mean, just all over the map. So very, very flattered to, to win in 2022. And I have a long way to go to catch Don Fisher and Mark Boyle. Those guys have uh, pretty much owned the category the last number of years. GMV won it a few years ago as well. So uh, very honored and very flattered. I mean, just like you guys, we don't do what we do 
uh, to win awards. We do what we do because we love it. And uh, but but very. Uh, very gratifying to have be recognized by my peers. So very, very, I've always very been good. appreciative, Chris, and I know you are as well. Um, one of the things I think that people recognize about you, um, I, I don't know whether it comes out in me or not. I know it comes out in you, but I know that we share this, is that it's not lost on you that if it were not for people watching games or listening to broadcasts, you know, we wouldn't be able to do what we do, right? Like, we're just the lucky guys that were put in this position, and I think that that, that ability to keep that in perspective kind of resonates through your microphone, which is why you got that award, one of the reasons why. Well, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I love what I do, but, you know, first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather, and all of those things, you know, define me. And, and you know, clearly, I mean, what I do um, in this market, I mean, people know me because of some of those things, but that's that's not all that I'm about, but, uh, you're right. We have so many, so many people that rely on, you know, us, uh, after, after a tough day or whatever has gone through, um, you know, to just sit back and watch a game or get up in the morning and drive to work and listen to you guys. And we're very, very lucky and thankful that we get to do what we do. It, it hit on me, um, on Wednesday night, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, my dad was a high school coach and teacher, and, you know, I wanted to be like him. Um, and I would sit on the floor and play Stratomatic and all kinds of just board games, you know, with basketball or football or baseball, and I would call a game into a tape recorder. And I vividly remember playing the Indiana Pacers season one year, you know, in the early 70s and uh, when they were in the ABA. And then when they got to the NBA, I was probably, you know, 14 or 15, and I still would play it, and I'd pretend that I was calling a game at Madison Square Garden. And here I was Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden. So, uh, yeah, just very, very thankful to uh, get to do what I get to do. We're lucky to hear you. Tonight, 7 o'clock, Pacers and Hawks. Kristen Airy again, TV voice of the Pacers with us here. What do you make of the Tyrese Halliburton update? I think you can certainly look at it glass half full and just the non-ligament you know, ligament, uh, angle to it all. But at the same time, it's a substantial loss for multiple weeks. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, when we were getting on the bus and going to the airport, you saw him on the crutch. Uh, he, had, he had one crutch, and you know he was walking very gingerly and very slowly. And your your mind is racing to know, hey, you know what what's going to happen tomorrow. So I agree with you to to at least have him reevaluated in two weeks. To me, was the best case scenario because I think everybody was thinking, um, you know, it could be far worse. So. Uh, you know, the Pacers will have to deal with that, just like a lot of other teams in the NBA are dealing with injuries right now. Kevin Durant's out for a month uh, in Brooklyn. I mean, you can go up and down all the rosters. So uh, it'll be difficult because he is the leader of this team. He's the leading scorer. Um, he's the voice. Uh, you know, he's, he's the guy that finds guys uh, for easy shots. So um, it'll be something the Pacers will have to deal with over the next two weeks. Chris, do you... Are you under the impression, I am, but you're closer to it than I, I'm under the impression that for a couple of reasons, one being that Tyrese Halliburton's health is is paramount, but also that they won't necessarily feel any urgency in getting him back, that they will take it as long as they need to get him back because there are some good young players that can fill in, but also just because that's kind of what this year, I think, in the grand scheme of things is about, is learning and navigating. Yeah, there, there's no question. I mean, you, you don't want to, you know, he, he is your, he's the leader of your franchise. So you want to make sure, you know, he's healthy when he comes back. And, you know, he had 
two injuries, and it could have been three because when he landed, uh, Hartenstein stepped on his other foot, but it was his left knee and his left elbow. He hit the floor with those, and that's where the issue was. So, yeah, you, you, you want to bring him back. Uh, when he's fully healthy, and and you're right, Jake. I mean, you've got some young guys. You've got Andrew Nemhart that you know. Think back to what he did in the Golden State game. I know that's just a one-off, but it showed the type of player that he is and the ability that he has to lead a team. So, yeah, I, I think you know where they are. They they booked the number of wins in the front half of the season at 23 and 18. Uh, started with a loss on Wednesday, a, a near miraculous comeback with all those guys on the bench. Uh, but, but yeah, they'll they'll take their time to make sure he's healthy when he comes back. Kenny's Chris Denary, he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, back-to-back at home for the Pacers this weekend, Hawks and the Grizzlies. Want to get more into those matchups here in just a second, but you know, more on the Halliburton front. Do you expect Andrew Nemhard gets that starting point guard role? Um, you know, he's done a lot. Point guard hasn't been asked of him a ton with the starters, of course, because Halliburton has been so healthy. But that would allow McConnell to stick with the second unit, and again give Hall or give Nemhart a chance to kind of do what he did at Gonzaga last year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they like TJ coming off the bench, and you just slide Nemhart uh, over to the primary ball handler position. Now he was sharing that a little bit with Tyrese uh, with two ball handlers. The, the real story tonight will be to see who's available because Aaron Neesmith did not play with a non-COVID illness on Wednesday. Uh, O'Shea Brissett was not available. Miles Turner, just minutes before tip-off, was not available. So who knows what that starting lineup will look like. But I would anticipate, at least in the backcourt, that they would like to keep T.J. McConnell in his role off the bench because he provides so much energy with the second unit. And it will be interesting to see who is a part of that second unit tonight and tomorrow night against Memphis. Well, what was the Miles uh, update? Was it did he have an MRI on the back? I don't. I, well, they did not practice yesterday. I haven't seen anything on Miles. I just know that when we got on the bus um, on Wednesday night after the game, I mean, he he was ginger as well, uh, walking very slowly. Um, I think he was doing better. That was the report that we got from Rick Carlisle after the game. But uh, we, we have not gotten an update on Miles other than the fact, I believe, on the injury report, he's listed as questionable yeah. with back spasms. Chris, I'll be the optimist here. Sometimes when guys get hurt, it means significant minutes for other players. And then down the road, maybe it's later that year, maybe it's a year later, you look back and you go, you know, that was a really critical 10-game stretch because that guy finally got a chance to show what he can do. Not saying this guy has been denied chances, but if Miles Turner is not going to be able to go full bore for a couple of games, then the opportunity is there probably when he most needs it for Isaiah Jackson to just get his confidence back. I thought the other day when he got minutes at home, I think it was against Charlotte that you know he played well considering he was coming off of Fort Wayne. A lot of guys could sulk in that. But is this finally the the confidence booster perhaps awaiting him that he needs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, his minutes have been uh, a little different here of late because they've opted to use Jalen Smith as the backup five. They moved him from the starting four. And so you just have limited minutes there. If Miles is going to play, you know, 28 to, to 30 minutes, then Jalen's going to probably play 18. So I, I think we can see if that's the case. Uh, Isaiah put up maybe more numbers like we saw last year when he had prime opportunity to play with with Miles missing the last 40 games, and especially before the Pacers acquired Jalen Smith. So you're right, uh, and I think it was really important for him 
and I think it's great for he and the franchise that he went up and played a couple of games in Fort Wayne. That that's that's why you have that G League franchise is you've got the opportunity to give guys playing time on the Pacers roster if they're not seeing playing time, you know, you know, you know, on the NBA side. So yeah, that that'll be something to watch. Um, he he's done a nice job when he's had the opportunity this year. And if if Miles is out for a few games, he'll need to step up, no question. Again, tonight it is Trey Young and the Hawks. I believe Trey Young is good to go. I know he missed last game due to an illness. And then John Morant tomorrow with Memphis. Uh, Morant played on Wednesday night. No back-to-back for the Grizzlies. So you could be looking at two of the more exciting guards in the NBA. Different style guards, but two extremely exciting guards. Chris, I, I think you look at... These two games, you look at the road trip coming up. I think you play Memphis and Milwaukee again, you know, maybe like late January. I think the schedule's about to toughen up a bit. No question. Uh, next week road trip, uh, after these two home games, you have Milwaukee on Monday, first of four that you'll play against the Bucks. Then on Wednesday, you have Oklahoma City. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's averaging 30, and they just won at Philadelphia last night. I mean, they're a team uh, that is very, very young, uh, but playing some good basketball. And then you end the road trip with a back-to-back at Denver at Phoenix. Now, Phoenix is struggling a little bit right now because they don't have Devin Booker, but that's always a tough place to play. And then you come back home, and I think you have Chicago. Yeah, you're, you have Memphis on the 29th. So, uh, yeah, that that's what this NBA schedule is all about. And if you go back, think back uh, to the New York loss uh, on December 16th. The Pacers are 8-3 and three cents, and we looked at that stretch at Boston, at Miami, Toronto, all those games, and thought, man, where are the Pacers going to pick up a win? And they went 8-3 and three in the last 11. So uh, you just got to take it, as Rick says, possession by possession, game by game, and let's see who's available. But clearly, uh, tonight and tomorrow, very difficult back-to-backs against uh, an Atlanta team trying to find itself. And a Memphis team, I think, has won seven or eight in a row. So, yeah, this will be a, this will be a tough weekend for the Pacers. Interesting because Memphis is a team, Chris, that if you look at the way that they kind of turn things around, I mean, you know, having John Morant is huge, right? But am I correct in saying that the Pacers brass would tell you that Memphis and just kind of the blueprint of how this team was assembled that we see – for the Grizzlies is kind of the blueprint that Indiana decided to follow a little bit in this rebuild slash retool. Yeah, no question, Jake. And I think you can look at Cleveland too. Uh, Memphis and Cleveland built through the draft with, you know, some pretty good draft picks. If you look at Morant and Jaron Jackson, uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, Brandon Clark, uh, they were able to add Indiana native out of Richmond, Desmond Bain late in the first round. You know, Cleveland's done the same with Mobley and Garland and Okoro and, you know, just all the guys that they've been able to amass. So there's no question that I think Indiana has looked at that model. Uh, That's what they did last year, getting Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. Uh, This year, getting Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard. Your ability to build through the draft, getting quality young players, give them a lot of opportunity to play. Uh, We look at Memphis as, you know, a 50-win team. A couple of years ago, I think they won 25 or 26 games. Right. But it's that experience that they got by playing those young guys. Um, that's why, really, if you look at it, the Pacers are ahead of schedule. Nobody thought that they'd be 23 and 19 right now. And I don't think anybody thought, guys, that in a clutch, in a clutch situation, they're 16 and 11. They've won 16 games. And, Chris, look uh, at who they have on the floor in those moments. That's the thing to me. 
I'm watching games now, and it's late in the fourth, and I'm looking out on the floor, and I'm like, wait a minute, they've got Nimhart on the floor, they've got Matherin on the floor, Halliburton when he's healthy, obviously, and Neesmith. I mean, you're talking about four guys that realistically should be within like maybe a year removed from being college basketball players, realistically, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Halliburton and Neesmith are 22 years old in their third year. Um, the two first guys you mentioned are mentioned are rookies. So you're right. You're out there in, in clutch situations trying to win a game uh, with some young guys, and that's experience that, that you just put in the vault and save. And uh, it's been good to see them be so successful this year. It's only going to help them in the future uh, being able to book all this kind of uh, – uh, stuff in your resume as you're getting ready for the rest of your career. Chris, I, I know it, you've got many, many games between now and then, but one of my favorite things late May every year is sitting in Stan Jay, coming up, having a word with you in turn four before the start of the Indianapolis 500. Did you see yesterday's news on the 2024 entry of Kyle Larson into the Indianapolis 500? Yes, I think we've all been waiting for somebody to do the double, right? And, uh, you know, it's tough. But, yeah, that that's going to be cool to see. I mean, he's a guy that I think many people thought years ago would be an open-wheel racing, and, you know, like a number of guys do, like Tony Stewart did back in the day and Jeff Gordon, they, they routed themselves to NASCAR. But that'll be absolutely outstanding uh, to, to see Kyle Larson at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, for the Indianapolis 500. Okay, so there's 200 laps in the race, over under 185 that Jake Query steps over you from turn, turn three <laughs> to turn four. Oh, no, Jake, Jake, you know, it, it's funny because I'm the guy that just... Don't get me politically blends, correct. Give me honesty no, here. No, I, I'm the guy that just blends in for a race here and there. And, and people have asked us, how do you guys do it? Well, we do a little bit of practice, right, Jake, on carburetion. We do. Day, but it's just a feel that we have... And, you know, there's a, a certain point that Jake will drop him off. And if Jake needs to go a little bit more, that's fine. You know, that's, I mean, we have 200 laps, right? We, we can't be perfect uh, all 200. We, we try to be as close as we are. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a thrill to do that every now, year. Now, this and, will stun Kevin, Chris, but I want you to back me up here. I'm not saying I do it every time. But if I carry them too long and drop to you too late out of sequence... I try to then get on the intercom and apologize to you. And I do oh, that occasionally, absolutely. right? Oh, no question. Jake, look at my bad. My bad. Um, see? Mark, does he want credit for his apology? Ultimate team player. Is that I'm what you're hearing ultimate there? ultimate team player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me uh, a pat on the back, please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the broadcaster of the year listen, here? Uh, that is true, but I love me some me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, in all seriousness, congrats. You know, I've been fortunate to know you for gosh 25 30 years now and uh you've been a class act in our interactions from day one so uh well well deserved and looking forward to the next couple nights here which should be a couple fun nights inside of gabridge Fieldhouse, even without tyrese halberton yeah atmosphere has been great uh hats off as jake said we do this because the fans you know follow us but the fans in the building have been just sensational the last month uh the building's been electric and six straight wins uh, they're trying for seven straight home wins, so six straight home wins. They, the Pacers have not won seven straight at home since, I think, 2015. Wow. So they've got a real chance to do that tonight. It, it, it'll be a fun night at uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. 7 o'clock, the tip. Coverage begins at 6.30. over on Bally Sports. Chris, have a great call. All right, thanks, guys. That is the broadcaster of the year, sportscaster of the year, I believe. Um, right there, Chris Denary on the Payless Liquors Hotline.
6 o'clock, last word for the Colts, 6.30, our radio coverage, 10.30, Indiana Sports Talk tonight. By the way, Rob Ninkovich right now on one of the networks, they're talking about who should pursue Derek Carr. And guess who stop he it. says? Just stop it. And then Kevin started dry heaving. No. <laughs> guess who he says? No. Let's go back to talking about Luke Heron, Cody, if we're going to talk <laughs> about We should this. go back to talking about the fact that Mark's wearing his PBR shirt. I am. On the well, heels of yesterday. Well, talk about PBR parties and whatnot. Hey, I would need a shotgun about 17 the, PBRs if you tell me Derek Carr has been traded the to the The PBR Colts. party is starting to shake, take form, I'm telling you. People are getting psyched. So what is happening at the PBR party? Is we, we just sit around beer? and watch well, games. Well, we're not going to tell PBR. people. I mean, that, you know. What happens to the Kevin's PBR party? Get hammered in time. Luke Heron is my hero. <laughs> We're gonna play pin the mullet on Luke Heron. Give me that nap. Forty-four second Benedict Mathurin for his jersey number at Notre Dame. This is the concept for Benedict Mathurin statue. Stick with me here. That's Bronze right. everywhere. That's right. No, I, I think no we'll, on Derek Carr. No. I think you, you were kind of interested in him last year, though. But Mark, the Matt Ryan, that happened. financial commitment, oh yeah, is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, again, I think he's a fine quarterback, but enough is enough. And as I mentioned earlier, it's what thirty-one million next year, and then north of forty million. I think in we've also learned. We've also learned that this roster is not a quarterback away. Right. If they were a quarterback yeah. away, then mm-hmm. yes, they're not. Yeah, yeah, there's too many holes that you need to use your draft pick. You know for. what? It was important for Chris Bauer to say that earlier in the week, and he did. And I'm sure that took a little bit of, you know, difficulty for him to admit that. But that is accurate with how the Colts' four twelve and one season went. Speaking of the Colts, let's lead off the morning checkdown with a head coaching list update. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, Jake, as we talk on this Friday morning, the Colts have had three head coaching interviews. Bubba Ventrone, their special teams coordinator, on Wednesday. And then yesterday, two from the AFC West. Jero Avero, the defensive coordinator of the Broncos. And then last night, Eric Bieniemy. Um, the offense coordinator of the Chiefs. Do you find it interesting at all that BNB's name has only been rumored within Indy this cycle of the five well, teams? Well, he was one that I don't know that we necessarily knew they were bringing him in, and then all of a sudden Jim Mercer just kind of dropped that, right? Um, you know, he is interviewed as a head coach for a head coaching position at nearly half of the league, and I'm not saying that as hyperbole. That's reality. 15 of 32 teams. It's um, crazy. Yeah, so do I find it to – I don't know if they have interviewed him in past coaching cycles, but it doesn't surprise me they brought him in because he's been highly thought of. He had some... And the Ballard connection, of course, from yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, he's had some indiscretions in the past, but as I talked about earlier, um, you know, he was a younger man then. That was a long time ago, and everybody deserves a chance and to, to show that they can be the guy. And he has been highly thought of for a long time. So reportedly on the schedule for today, Raheem Morris, the defense coordinator of the Rams. I like him a lot. Ben Johnson, mentioned some Brad Steven, Stevens vibes there, the OC from the Lions. And then tomorrow, Shane Steichen, who ironically comes from the Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni tree, Steichen, the OC in Philly. His quarterback resume includes Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert for a year, and Jalen Hurts. So some interesting names there for Shane Steichen. 
what happened? Hit the button too quick. That's okay. okay. Uh, NBA tonight, Pacers at the Fieldhouse hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Again, as Kevin had mentioned, that's a 7 o'clock tip. Pre-game begins at 6.30. Last night in college basketball, Purdue-Fort Wayne over IEPY 70-55. It was Southern Indiana over Little Rock 74-67. And in college basketball tonight, Purdue hosting Nebraska, 7 o'clock tip, and it is Butler at the same time hosting Villanova at Hinkley For Purdue, it'll be a rematch from kind of a clunky one earlier in the season in Lincoln. Purdue was able to win that game in overtime. Zach Eady only had 11 points in that first matchup with Nebraska. That is actually a season low for Eady. He did have 17 boards and seven blocks in that one. Here was Matt Painter yesterday on seeing Nebraska again. The thing that probably jumps out more than anything is probably their 19 offensive rebounds. You know, they, you know, they, they did a great job of getting on the glass, and you know, they took some tough shots, they drive in, they took some tough threes, and with that, you sometimes you have some rebounds that just aren't traditional, and you got to be able to get them. And uh, I think that's going to be a big key in our game is is trying to keep them out of the lane because a lot of their penetration gets them to the free throw line. A lot of their penetration sets up other guys on their team for open shots. So. Being able to, you know, keep the ball in front of us and also be able to to rebound the ball. Scotty's walked into the studio. It's you know free, what that means? It's freebie Friday. That's right. Pop quiz coming up next. Again, I take a look at the answers. Seems rather manageable for a Friday. <laughs> well, so the word on Indy and not getting the AFC. And let's not say the stadium, Jake, that is getting the AFC Championship neutral site game, if it is Chiefs and Bills. The reason for that was a volleyball tournament? Correct. Scheduling conflict. (laughs) So my question was, what would have happened if the Colts were hosting the AFC Championship? Boy, that's an excellent question. Do you think that got scheduled during the season where they're kind of like, oh, we're we're seeing how this shakes out. (laughs) This doesn't look too great. Yeah, I mean, seriously, wife. you can't. I mean, you don't officially. The Colts were not officially eliminated from the playoffs until mid December. Yeah, yeah. My wife asked that same question. She's like, "Would they have moved the volleyball to like the convention center or something? What would have happened?" So I guess it's both. It's at the convention center and also at Lucas right. Oil. Yeah, they'll be able to move it fully. You can to the bet. You, listen, and the Monster Jam I think is on Monday. The, the Colts and Jim Irsay, I believe this is correct. They get a percentage of revenue for all non-football events at Lucas Oil Stadium as part of the lease agreement. I believe it's 40%. Don't quote me on that. But that was agreed upon when the Colts stayed in Indianapolis and signed a 29-year agreement with the city. So you can bet that the Colts would have loved to have had the AFC Championship game here because it would have been a revenue windfall for them. Uh, someone from the Colts just texted me. Turney, Turney was scheduled for the convention center. They opened Lucas Oil for the tournament as well for spillover once the Colts got knocked out. Gotcha. Allows them to do some more games. That makes more sense. Yeah. Would hotels have been an issue too? That, yeah. I mean, you guys I mean, cer- know. Certainly hotels for Chiefs Bills. Yeah. You know. With these, you know, softball in the summertime and then the volleyball. I mean, you see these kids and their parents oh, all over zoo. downtown. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, a, it's great yeah. for the city. Yeah. 7,000, 8,000 hotels. Yeah. I mean, it's. It seems like a pretty future good farmers take over the town every I, they, year. Yeah, I've always I, wanted one of those jackets. How can I get one? They gave one to Terry Stacy when I was at IBC. Did they we, really? I said on the air, I was like, I'd like one of those jackets. And they came in and gave one to Terry. What the hell is that all about? It'd be like you guys getting PBR and me getting shut out. Well, if it's not on draft, so they you didn't have turn a, it away anyway. That's a good point. They didn't have like a JQ on the back of the <laughs> jacket for you? With the little Indiana? Gosh. I just like the blue corduroy. Oh, it seems so warm. They do seem nice, don't they? 
I'll rock them very nicely. All right, pop quiz. With Wranglers, though, that part's a bit of a mismatch. <laughs> pop quiz time. Again, it is Freebie Friday here. Jiffy Lube oil change going to whoever becomes the contestant on the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, it is time for our Friday pop quiz. Phone lines are packed. Freebie Friday. Give you a little oil change. And I think rather manageable. Earlier in the week, we had someone, what, four for four? Jackson, yeah, was rattling yeah, the Yeah, it was the right. guy that, like, calls oncologist mm-hmm. and yet called our show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, I just want to spread out well, my, he, my experiences with intellectual people. Okay, here's the thing. A guy like that, he doesn't need the first half of our slogan, just the second. Our slogan being, Mark? Educate and entertain. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't need the first part of that, just the second. Scotty, I thought that uh, Wisconsin-Indiana stat might have crept onto the pop quiz. I was at close to home. I think I was at the first game of that streak, Jake. And for those that missed it, Wisconsin has won twenty-four of twenty-seven against Indiana in men's basketball. Brian Butch, remember that name? Oh yeah, banked in a three to beat Kelvin. It might have been Sampson's last game, one of his last games. Was that the um... and Assembly Hall, of course? Kelvin Sampson didn't have Marco Killingsworth, did he? That was. I feel like that was the that end was of Davis. Davis, right? Yeah, twenty-four of twenty-seven. You know, crazy. Indiana did not lose to Wisconsin from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety-seven. Wow, really? Yes. Home, home, and away. Correct. Gosh. So, <laughs> boy, salt in wounds. All right, uh, you got a number? Uh, we will go with. You said Luke Herngody was forty-four. Oh, I love all this. So that's Karen eight. Goody you chatter. subtract my favorite player, Jay Edwards, at three, so that gives you five. Let's go with number five. How many career points do you think Luke Herringody scored in, co- in high school? Where, where do you think high he's sc- on the all-time high school list? or college? Let's go with high school. Andrean, where do you think he is, Jake? That kid for Wisconsin this week in a siege, and I looked that up. He's 10th on the all-time I'm going to say list. Luke Herringody is 29th all-time. Oh. All right. You bring on our guest, and I will okay. look it up. I mean, I can tell you... Um, Damon Bailey's what, 3134? 3,134, I think that's right. That's number one. And then Langford's third, I think, is Brody Boyd second, maybe? Wasn't Marion oh, no, Deshaun- Pierce up there? Deshaun, Th- Marion Pierce, thank you. That's who Bailey broke. Deshaun Thomas also might have passed Pierce. Alan Henderson and Brody Boyd are in the mix as well. So number five is who we're going with? Yep. Chris. 
Chris, what's up? Hey, how you doing? You know we're hanging, Chris. How about you? Uh, sitting out in my car watching it snow. Snow? Where are you? It is snowing a little bit. Uh, Fountain Square. Really? Okay. Oh, Chris, what's your favorite establishment in Fountain Square? Probably got to be a shout out to the Red Lion Grog House. I, ju- nice. I was just going to say that, Chris. I had never been there uh, a week ago. I got a buddy that lives in Fountain Square. We went and had lunch, and I went there, and that was a good place, man. That's Chris, a really what good about place. Sam Silver Circle? It's one of my favorites. It's all right. I work over in Fountain Square at an apartment complex. So oh, nice. I, uh, I used to live off Lexington Avenue. Okay, yeah. We're right off of uh, Prospect. What's the burger place in Fountain Square that's themed around like 80s hair metal music? Boomer's oh, Corner. Yeah, yeah, that's a good place. Yeah, yeah. Delicious. Delicious. That's a really good place, man. Uh, Chris, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? I'll go with you, Jake. All right. Well, one more in Fountain Square, if you don't, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. Andrew Luck's favorite restaurant over there, Siam Square. Uh, Maddie loves that as well. We really? actually got some takeout there. That's a foodie together. place, right? Uh, just like Thai food. I mean, okay. nothing. Not bad. Fifteen hundred points, by the way. Fifteen twenty-seven for Heron Goody. Not yes. as many as I thought. That's right. Uh, Chris, any reason why you picked me as opposed to Kevin to lead off with number one? Just because I think you're quirky like me. I like that. All right, here we go. Stroke real quick. Question number one. Feed the ego before the weekend starts. Smart. Which which stadium, which, by the way, was fairly devastated in terms of trying to put forth a good Super Bowl in Super Bowl 34 by a rare ice storm, would actually host a potential Buffalo-Kansas City AFC Championship game this year? Would it be the Superdome in New Orleans, Ford Field in Detroit, NRG Stadium in Houston, or Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta? We're going to go Detroit. Okay. Ford How about now, another guess? Um, Atlanta. Okay. Number is two. Mercedes-Benz Stadium the Georgia Dome, or is it totally different? Okay, the Super Bowl was in the Georgia Dome. My apologies. Uh, number two here. 50 years ago, tomorrow, the Miami Dolphins beat the Washington Redskins 14-7 in Super Bowl seven to complete the only perfect season in NFL history. Name the team that lost by just one point to the Dolphins during Miami's perfect season. The Vikings, the Jets, the Bills, or the Chiefs? I'm going to go Vikings. These two teams will see each other on Sunday. They were Vikings, okay. Question three. Who did the Dolphins beat in the 1972 AFC did Championship game? Did he not hear me? Game? <laughs> he, he did not. Yes, Correct. I heard you. Did oh. Kansas... Um, uh, who, the, who's, who are they playing? That is a good question, Chris. I thought you were going to cuss there for a second. Good job on <laughs> withholding yourself. <laughs> I can't think about it. I'm, I'm at a loss right now. Chris right. needs some whiskey from Hotel Tango over there in uh, Fountain Square right Question now. three for you, Chris. The Dolphins in 1972 won the AFC Championship game to advance to Super Bowl seven. What team, who probably was still suffering a hangover from celebrating the Immaculate Reception, did they beat? The Raiders, Steelers, Browns, or Chiefs in the AFC title? Steelers. Okay. Steelers. All right, Chris, number four. This is about a 10-paragrapher, so bear with me. Uh, Big nights by NBA players in last night's game. Luka had another triple-double, scoring 36 points. Damian Lillard had 50, and Joel Embiid had a 30.10 rebound effort and a loss to the Thunder while also going 10-for-10 from the foul line. 
It's the third straight game in which Embiid is at at least 30 points and 10 boards while shooting 100% from the foul line. Man, that's wild. Who else has had three straight games with 30 points, 10 rebounds, and a perfect 100% percentage from the foul line? Embiid, is he the first? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Dominique Wilkins, or the Big O? Old school, Big O. Represent Indy. All right, last question for you. Speaking of Indy. Next season's NBA All-Star Game will be, of course, in Indianapolis at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Second time that Indianapolis has hosted the All-Star Game. They also did back in 85 at Market Square when I believe Ralph Sampson was the MVP of the game. Uh, or at the Hoosier, I'm sorry, the dunk contest was at Market Square. Um, what other Indiana city, also known as the Summit City, has hosted and not only hosted the All-Star Game, but hosted the very first All-Star Game in Indiana? What city was it? Known as the Summit City. Four- I'm going to go with Fort Wayne due to the Fort Wayne Pistons. See, that's, that's a smart call Look right there. this here, Right Chris. as the music ended. You know what you're doing there. All right, so let's see how Chris did. A little coaxing on number one. The host of a potential Buffalo-Kansas City AFC Championship game will be where? Atlanta. That is correct. You're waiting on me. Sorry, I yeah. thought Jake was, was okay. to Jake was off in the That's clouds. Uh, number two here. I uh, forgot his flight in July. That's again. right. The team that lost by just one point to the '72 Dolphins during that perfect year. He went with the Vikings, and then yeah, I think he missed it. Right, Buffalo Bills. You blew it. Chris, down the line. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. (laughs) I don't think it's working. See you in summer school. Hey, everybody. Look who I found wandering around the halls. You'll never guess who Screech's cousin is. Hi, everyone. I hope I'm not too late. I'll be Jim Harbaugh. Jim, you made it. Everyone is probably just a little bit confused because we look so much alike. But this is my cousin, the real Jim Harbaugh. God, that's so corny. Does that scene sum up Jim Harbaugh? Oh, totally. He is kind of the screech of college football coaches. Gosh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, by the way, uh, in 1975. Did it just get really Steelers, foggy? And it did get super foggy out. Fort foggy Wayne and snowy. for number five. Man, it is like. Really? Can you see the Riley Towers? No, no. Can the should the AFC title game be outdoors? All right, Chris, let me get your, uh, I mean, that's kind of hard to argue, isn't it? I thought it should have been in Pittsburgh. It's halfway between the two, and it's Hamlin's hometown. Someone was saying yesterday when NFL they announced it that this was the predetermined, you know, in case emergency of emergency site. site. And it's also, I guess, somewhat equidistant between the two cities. I don't, I don't know. I kind of wish it was outdoors. Rooftop bar in Fountain Square. You ever been there? Oh yeah, it's fabulous. Another nice spot. Duck pen bowling. Great. Good spot. The dugout. Great spot as well. Enjoyed my radio couple radio of years Have in Fountain Square. Sure. Live music at sure, radio sure, radio. sure. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Let's do it one final time. Give our wild card picks to round out the show. Close out the week. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Jake, we had uh, Paul Casaro on with us earlier in the week, UND men's basketball coach, 86-67 over Missouri. And as I th- thought I saw, uh, strength and conditioning. Or is it science and technology, we decided? Science and technology. Last night down there at Nickerson Hall. And Nathaniel, who's in studio with us, calling the game tomorrow. So UND 13-2 cool. and two on the year, ranked 24th in the nation. And a pretty good year for Paul Casaro in year three at the helm by the way happy birthday is it 36th birthday oh good jimmy that's right good jimmy's birthday i did want to mention earlier um we talked about earlier in the week listener matt um his son colton a heart procedure in the hospital earlier this week we're still thinking about him um definitely keeping the little guy in our thoughts and prayers is um sounds like a stay a little bit longer than they expected so thinking about Matt and Colton, his entire family, as they deal with that right now. A full slate of games when it comes to the playoffs this weekend. It is always kind of fun when you look outside, the weather's like this, and it's like just plunk down on the couch and watch some football, right? You know, and I have to admit, you know, we were talking about AFC Championship game, neutral site in Atlanta. I did think to myself driving in, Jake, January 2015, last time Lucas Oil hosted a playoff game. Can you recall the opponent? I bet I could. Hold on. Boy. Kansas City comes to mind. That was the year prior. January 2014, of course, the comeback game. 2015, the Colts made the AFC Championship game. The Deflategate game. They won at Denver in the divisional round. To get to Denver, they beat who? I'll go with Baltimore. Mark Dykton? Boy, I'm trying to think. Low-scoring game. Andrew Luck to Dante Moncrief. Kind of a vintage Luck play. Was Chargers are also oddly in my mind for some reason. This is a team that just... Patriots? Kind of defined their era with Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton. Oh, well, the Bengals then. I don't know that I have any memory of the Bengals coming here for a playoff game. A.J. Green, Dalton, Marvin Lewis. Was Marvin Lewis at 0-7, Marvin Lewis, in playoff games? Yeah. Awesome. I mean, they mm-hmm. just kept re-racking it, right? So, yeah, it's been a while. Um, after that doom and gloom note by Kevin Bowen, let's focus on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, again, two games Saturday, three on Sunday, and then Monday is Dallas and Tampa. Let's start with tomorrow, guys. 49ers and Seahawks. Chargers and Jags just to go over the lines on both of those for the, those that care. San Fran favored by nine and a half. The Chargers are a two and a half point road favorite. Mark Dykton, who you like tomorrow? I like the 49ers. I think they're, they've been great despite being on their third quarterback of the year. They've been really good, especially at home. Give me the 49ers to top the Seahawks. And then the Chargers Jaguars is a hard pick for me, but I'm going to go with the Chargers. I hate to. Echo Mark, but but I agree with both of those. I, Jacksonville, Ooh, no, no Trevor Lawrence pick for you. 
No, Jacksonville played really well against the Chargers, and I like the way they're playing. Travis Etienne's kind of given them, I think, kind of a security blanket for Lawrence, but as you had mentioned, the Chargers are starting to get healthy. I do think the world of Justin Herbert's talent, they've got some big weapons. I could still root for Mike Williams, former Clemson wide receiver for the Chargers, but um, I like the Chargers there, and I I said three wild card teams would win. So I'll take the Chargers as the first. And then looking at this, okay, yeah, I, I've got, I still can get to three. Seattle would have been one I would look towards, but I do think San Francisco's defense is going to hold on. I'm going to take Seattle to cover. Okay. okay. Nine and a half. Take them to yeah, cover. Yeah, I would agree they'll probably cover that. Sounds like an ugly weather game. You know, rookie Kenneth Walker. Can Seattle run it a little bit? Kind of play a low-scoring game there. Um, I will go with the Chargers, but I'm with Mark. I was really torn on that one. All right, moving to Sunday. Unfortunately, two AFC games are really big spreads. Dolphins at Bills. That's a 13-pointer yeah. for Buffalo. The night game is then uh, Cincinnati, 9.5 over Baltimore. Backup quarterbacks for both those road teams. And then Vikings-Giants. I think we all probably can agree on Buffalo and Cincinnati. Yes. I think that's a game... Which is disappointing. That's a game where by the fourth quarter, Buffalo may be with their backup quarterback. Could well. Baltimore yeah. hang in there? Maybe, but that's a big maybe. That's disappointing because both those matchups would be really good if they're at full strength at quarterback. I I know. Know. Yeah, you're right. I know. Um, I think I'm going to take Minnesota and let you two ride at the Giants. Okay, that's fine. I'll take the Giants. Yep. So there's my second road team in our two and a half over under. Just think. Gosh, you got to think that offensive skill from Minnesota carries them at some point, and that's going to be a, just a rocket environment. Studs, no doubt, it's going to be a great environment there. Um, all right, let's look at Monday: Cowboys and Bucks. The twelve and five Cowboys. Did I see last night correctly? I think it's eleven straight road playoff losses for Dallas mm-hmm. at Tampa Bay. That's the eight and nine Bucks. It is a two and a half point favorite for America's team. America's team. Beats America's least liked quarterback. Dallas wins. There's my third road team. I've been going with the Bucks all weekend and saying Mike McCarthy is going to be on the hot seat, and if they lose, they will be fired. So I got to roll with Tom Brady and the Bucks to send the Cowboys packing once again. I agree. If there's a quarterback that I mean, there's something about Brady in the postseason. Dak has like, been really? off too. Here we are. He's been off a lot lately. Kevin, your pick? Yeah, he has struggled. Um, you know, you guys obviously hold in high regard my Super Bowl pick from the start of the year. That would be Raiders Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I I gotta stick with Dallas, right? Well, do you? I mean, your Super Bowl winner was the Raiders. Are we rooting for T. Y. Hilton? He'll have one catch for twenty three yards. And it'll be a big one. I'll go Cowboys. Brady's last game. No, no. Looking at it here, which of those matchups that we just described has the least expensive? entry ticket on the secondary market and which has the most expensive entry level ticket it's least gotta, expensive gotta i'm be. gonna say jaguars yeah, it could be chargers jags i mean because chargers fans would have to I mean chargers are not bringing any sort of road yeah. fans to the, that game least expensive ticket right now seattle at san francisco really Gosh, tickets, seattle tickets as low as 69 dollars so the chargers nice. and jags 89 dollars. okay gronk will be at that game probably then oh okay most expensive? Most expensive? Uh-huh. Cowboys Bucks. Yeah, I would say that. I one. guess whichever has the smallest venue probably. Cowboys Bucks tickets starting as low as $170. There is Ooh. another 
matchup that tickets are starting at $189. Bengals-Ravens. That is correct. Do we have the Bengals fight song? We should play the Bengals fight song for that. Looking ahead to the Colts head coaching search coming up. Do you not know the Bengals fight song? I know it. It's a flatulent Bengal. Again, three (laughs) interviews so far. Bubba Ventrone on Wednesday. Yesterday, Ajiro Avero, the D coordinator for the Broncos. Eric Bieniemy. Last night, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Coming up today, reportedly, Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator from the Rams. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. And then tomorrow, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. So I did want to sneak in here late, Jake. A nice win for the IU women last night. They beat Maryland, top 10 matchup yeah. in Assembly Hall. Continue to play well. Somebody said me thinks that Indiana's got themselves a top 10 basketball team. This is right. Here we go. Here's the flexible bingo. We did not hear this when the Colts Bengals played back in that last game, last playoff game at Lucas Oil. The tuba doesn't get enough respect in the musical instrument category. Nor tuba, please. <laughs> Buddy of mine married into a big Bengals family. I've enjoyed getting to know their fandom throughout the year. I think the Bengals have a little underrated fan base. Man, I saw a lot of Pete Johnson, Archie Griffin, Isaac Curtis, Kenny Anderson games back in my childhood. Uh, tonight again, along with the Pacers and Hawks, you've got Purdue and Nebraska, 7 o'clock from Mackey. The Boilers favored by over two touchdowns in that one. Butler and Villanova at Hinkle. Butler, a slight favorite against Kyle Neptune. Insert your plan at joke here, Jake. I know you're thinking it in that one. Uh, Butler... Butler's got to get something going here, so why not start it tonight, I guess, right? Because they, they've been struggling. I think as well. Villanova's lost four or five, and the one win is the Big East free space you game know what, we've talked about. Do you know what they're hoping Neptune brings them, by the way? Should we end it now? Could we? Rings. I thought there was going to be a Uranus joke in there or <laughs> something. Mark would have gone there. That's now, didn't they get That's rings fine. with Jay Wright? Um, yeah, does he drive a Saturn? Everybody have a great weekend. We'll have a show on Monday. See you.